Once again, I'd like to apologize for all the cancellations on tour dates. I am in production of Trip Flip, but I will be at the DC Improv October 24th through 27th. Today's guest, comedian Brant Tobler. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com. Get a shirt. This is The BurtCast. All right, we're recording. We're yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is a dinkum system. These are the I don't even have sponsors, but these are the things I, I will always be grateful for. Uh, Jordan Knox gave me Beats by Dre. Nice. Fucking be- Dr. Dre fucking took that. <laughs> it's such a smart move, you know, because it's like everyone, like, it's so weird. Rappers get into weird shit like vitamin water. And, yeah, no, make way more money off that yeah, shit. Then. Fucking Beats by Dre. Those are really good fucking headsets. Yeah. Um, and then those are Dinkum Systems. My buddy John Mance, he's one of our cameramen for Trip Flip. He makes those. They're fucking so great. They're so easy. Yeah. You put a GoPro on there, clamp it on. It's like, for anyone lo- wondering what it looks like, it's just just Google Dinkum Systems, <laughs> and then <coughs> Google John Mans. He's like a little bit of a player. Um, in the man cave. In the man cave. It's and it's a wreck. I'm so sorry. I, I wish, love it. Why? Normally there's fucking furniture out there, but like they stripped the entire house for the shoot tomorrow. So it's like fucking. It's it is. It looks like a fucking production studio. Yeah, it looks official today. There's a green screen right there. It's very, that goes up tomorrow. I've always wondered what the man cave looked like. And oh, part that of it sucks because no, you're mean, getting the fucking the walls and everything. But it is just a man cave set up to shoot for sure. Um, the uh, it's so funny. I I te- I got your text and it was like and it was like uh, you know what I feel like you you know what I feel like you are I feel like you are me like six seven years ago. Does that make sense? I, uh, trust me, I get it all the time. Well, the funny thing is, when I before I even met you, I was opening for Segura, and then I was telling these stories, and he's like, "Yo, you got to meet Burt Kreischer. You got to meet Burt Kreischer." He's telling me that the whole week, and I don't know if you remember, but the first time I met you, we were like in the green room, and we were both just talking, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "Holy shit, you're that guy!" And I was like, "Holy yes. shit, you're that guy!" Yeah, that's fucking right. <laughs> and then we traded stories for like an hour, because and now whenever I tell my stories, <laughs> people are like, "Do you know Burt Kreischer?" I'm like, "Of course I." Did. What was the fucking? That was I totally remember that now. I remember, uh, um, um, God, uh, Joaquin. And, uh, and and Matt and uh, Matt Matt I think Matt had uh, Bell's palsy at the time. Yeah, yeah, and he would wear these sunglasses to try yeah. to hide it. But. And he was like, and he would, and he was like, yeah, like Matt's. I think Matt's Mexican, but he's like, I think he wanted. I have, this is the way I remember stories. I remember stories <laughs> so fucking bad. But Matt was like, my grandmother's uh, said that if you sleep with a draft on your face, you get Bell's palsy. And fucking shit, that has scared me. I think about that more often. Well, you than- you said that on a podcast the other day, and I was laying in bed in my hot ass house because we don't have any AC, and I had that fan, and I was like, oh shit, I don't want half my face. <laughs> I was just fucking. I think of that. It's funny the little things you remember. Like uh, I remember that. I, I you know what's so funny? I don't even remember any of the stories you've told me. So I'm like dying to hear any of them all over yeah. again. All I remember is we Brant and I worked for those of you who don't know who I'm talking to, it's Brant Tobler. Did I say it right? Yeah. Um I s I've been saying Matt Munster, who on DIY networks, and it's <laughs> Minster. This whole time I've been calling him Matt Munster, like the cheese. Ooh. And he's and someone was like, You know you're saying his name wrong and I was like, Fuck. Um so uh Brant and I used to work in Vegas every fucking time and we just got along very well and it was like one of those perfect like one of those things that made the weekend better is I was like oh fuck yeah Brandon will be there and I'll tell you the one this is the one memory that sticks in my head every time I think of you is that time we tried to catch the lobsters yeah <laughs> in the fu- with the claw they had that game that you pick stuffed animals but they all sat it with lobsters and 
I we must have dropped uh, fucking fifty bucks on those fucking lobsters. Well, I remember that, and you were getting and and you were going to go on Letterman, and you were debating forever if you should just come out and take your shirt off. I don't oh, know if you remember that because you were like, I think I'm going to do a Letterman set. And I was like, and you're like, do I just come out and take my shirt off? And I was like, well, I don't know. But part of me is like, fuck it. No yeah. one's ever done that. You'd be. That and, would be fucking awesome. And then the other thing, we bet, because you didn't really know how to gamble. And uh, we bet like a 17 parlay for like 50 bucks. And we almost hit it. Which I, And I tell that story. And they're like, well, you and Bert are probably the two luckiest fuckers. Oh, they don't I look. definitely am one of the luckiest fucking <laughs> men I, alive. Trust me, I'm as lucky as it gets. So I tell them that story. I was like, we, we put together like a 17 parlay for like 50 bucks. And I remember we were we were going to win like 20,000. It came down to like one game. And God. Then you fell in love with that lesbian band. Remember when we were... Oh, girl? shit. Yeah. The coat hangers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. I totally remember that. We were in that shitty <coughs> bar way down there. And I remember telling you, this is where they filmed First 48. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. We got to turn around. God. Oh, the fucking coat hangers. They... Yeah. I'll tell you right now. Google the coat hangers. They are sexy. They are not fans of guys like me and Brand. No. Like we went to their show and we I want to say I was wearing a fanny pack or something. Yeah. Like I we just did not fit in. And fucking and Matt and, and Joaquin were with us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we were in the beauty bar down there and it was just a little it's like a, a little dive bar and there was a little show and we came in and we were half drunk anyway and you were like in Burt mode, like I love this band. I'm in. You were like Fucking googling them yes. the next day, and they were just like, "Yeah, okay." They gambled with us, I think. Yeah. Or they gambled at the table we gambled at. Yeah. And uh, I remember that night at the very end of the night, I hit. I put ten dollars on eleven right before I went to bed, and it hit. I went. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck!" And that, that was, was when you were in your phase of doing push-ups all the time too. Shit, you remember that? And you'd yes. just get drunk as shit, and then you like, and you'd be like, "I did a hundred push-ups." Like, how the fuck did you go up there and do? God, a, I barely got to my room, and you're like, "Yeah, I chopped out a hundred right before I went to bed." I was like, "God, those." So the this to put it in perspective, this is not the Vegas you're thinking of. Yeah, like when we're telling these stories, this is the Strip. Not, we, not the no, strip. we're down on Fremont Street. Down on <coughs> Fremont Street, where it's it's light a hundred times. Hundred. I man. I remember I have so I used to do that club I feel like all the time. Yeah, yeah. I loved they love I you. still love Joaquin yeah, yeah. and Matt. They and love you. We had money problems at one point, but and I, yeah. but I never like not that I didn't care, but I, I do care because you're not that's not how it's supposed to work. But it didn't. I wow. understood they were trying to run a business and that it was tough and and it's like yeah, I, I totally get it. I fucking love those guys. Yeah. I've been meaning to call them and tell they're them they're good that. dudes and they always talk about if I you know if I ever see you and I know you were like their favorite, but they did fall on money problems and yeah. then they had to pick. I think I think part of it was that they you were pretty much getting out of their price range. Yeah. So they were like, well, fuck it, we'll just pay him later because we're probably never going to get him anyway. And then yeah. guys like me, they used all the time. Are like, and then they still didn't pay me for a long time. But I think they got it all back together. But they definitely. Yeah, I heard they didn't. And I, he he, uh, Joaquin reached out to me on Facebook and was like, yeah, he and was like, hey, we're we got we got money now. I want to give you that money that I owe you. And I was like. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't. I'm mean, not that I don't need it, but I. But I, I totally get it. I can't imagine trying to fucking run a comedy club. And be, I mean those those shows were fucking. Uh, that was that was a fun fucking place though. It was it was a lot of fun, man. It was just a whole <laughs> was different that, side of it? Vegas. What was it? And yes, everyone, I'm coughing. Don't fucking text me and be like, you need to get that checked out. I'm fucking tired of that. I fucking Brian Redman spoked cigarettes all day yesterday next to me, and, and I have asthma, and so it kicks in, and my allergies are going fucking nuts. Yeah. So um, but. That was a fun. That was like I don't even think I was doing Birth the Conqueror yet. No, you were. It was. I think it was right before Birth the Conqueror because it was right before because it was before you did the sky sky jump. Yeah, because I remember you're like, you know what? I'll be back. We finished up, and you're like, I'll be back in probably like a month. You know what? It was actually maybe even way before that. 
I don't think you were doing. Uh, you were. It was before Birth of Conquer, actually. Really? That was a while ago because they've moved clubs since then. I was one. I didn't even come close to telling any stories on stage. No, not much. You told the, you tell the bear story a little. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know how I know it's a long time ago because you told me that Tracy Morgan story way before all the other stuff happened. Yeah. And I used to tell that story. I was like, my buddy Bert told me this fucking crazy story. So it was way before the, all the other that's, stuff. God dang it. So it was a long time that's ago. That's way before. That's like fucking, that's got to be like seven years now. Yeah, it might have been because it was, yeah. Yeah, I I'm sure you, it was. You told that story in the green room and uh, I don't know if it's, I think it was back in your dick out when people came in the green room. I don't know if you still do that. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so if that if that dates it, walking in the green room, you'd just be standing there like, what's up? But No, I remember, that's the one thing. I remember you telling that Tracy Morgan story to me, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And yeah. you were telling the bear story a lot then. Yeah, I told I, that that I'd been telling that Tracy Morgan story for like fucking thirteen. Like, I mean, since it, I mean, it happened fourteen years ago. Yeah. So you know, I was twenty six. I'm forty now. Yeah, and, but uh, I mean, that's before on the internet yeah. everything went crazy. So that's how I know it's pretty dated because it was pre podcast world. Yeah, the uh, that was God. Those were so much fucking fun times. I remember Segura was like, "You got it. You, yeah. you got to meet Brant." Well, Tom, He's when the he told me, the only person like, that has stories better than you, and I was like, "Shut the fuck up!" And then you know, it's so funny. Someone like I texted you, um, I texted you like this weekend. I was like, "Hey, let's podcast Monday," because I knew like. I was gonna be, I wasn't gonna be beat Monday, and I'm and I'm so behind on fucking uploading podcasts. Yeah, and I texted you, and then during this weekend, someone said, "You know who you got to have in your podcast?" One of the people just walking by at the shows, and I was like, "Who?" And they're like, "Brant." And I, he was like, "He was on the Crab Feast, and it was their fucking best episode." And oh, I was like, yeah. "Well, that's not hard because that's not a good show." But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Fuck the Crab Feast. The uh, I, love <laughs> I love those. Yeah, guys. they were good to me, and I, I did Tom's podcast not too long ago, and they were like, "Well, that it just came full circle because I'm." It was crazy when Tom was telling me these stories, and then no one, you know. Then when I tell the stories, they always say, "You know, you know." One dude calls me the micro machine. The micro machine, <laughs> yeah. like Fuck the it. machine, and then the micro machine. Wait, what do you think? So I, I always, I always try to analyze why someone accrues good stories. Like I have, I was sitting on stage last night, last night, and I was just telling stories. Uh, I and I was like, you know, I'm telling, I'm like my third story, and I'm like, these all sound extremely unbelievable. Like no one. I don't. I understand if if there is a wife that goes to the show with her husband and goes, he's making them up. Duh. First of all, that but that's it's the, it's so the frustrating. That's it's yeah. The opposite of what I get is the dude whose chicks listen to the story, and I can hear the dude going, "That's fake. It's not real. It's not." I'm like, these are real stories, oh, and funny. some of them are very yeah. vulnerable. Like I wouldn't brag about. It's, it's not bragging some of the shit, but yeah. that's what I've been account or uh, uh, happening on the road is I get that dude that's like, "No, those aren't real stories, man." I'm like. Whatever. Yeah, there's. I I never get the guy for some reason. It's always like the wife, uh, like that goes that goes. He's got to be making those up, and you're like, and and uh, there's no way I can verify anything. I mean, I, all I can say is go to my Facebook page, look at the, the people that were on that Russian mob trip have ri- written yeah. since and been like 100 percent true. That's all I can say. But it's like, but it's like, what do you, what do you think it is about you that gets amazing stories? Well, you know, I think. Well, Part of it was when when I started. Well, I worked as a runner in Vegas, and I so when I was like twenty two, I got this job where I just run up and down the strip betting sports, and uh, I carried so much money. I carried like a hundred thousand dollars cash every day, so I got this confidence where I had this confidence where I could just do whatever I wanted, and that's where a lot of the stories came from because I literally 
felt I was invincible. And then yeah. once they started going, then it was just like, then they just, now, now it's just like, I literally, I'm like, I live my life for podcast stories kind of because I, yeah. I, I, lo- I mean, I fucking love what's this the shit. one, what's the one, st- what, what, like, okay, so like, so like I'll say a story I have because I mm-hmm. say if they're listening to this podcast they're familiar with my stories and then you give me the brand equivalent. Okay. Okay. So like I'm not gonna go with my machine story. I'm gonna say, um, uh, like my what's what's your equivalent of my fighting a bear story? Uh, like, like I don't uh, like like uh, like not even topic wise. I'm just saying good, kind of tight, uh, good ending, uh, like. Like uh, well, the story I tell now that I that I actually close with a lot is uh, when I was in the height of the gambling, I had all this money. I was gambling uh, in at the Imperial Palace, this shitty casino in the middle, and I was winning. I was playing roulette, and I started winning. I, I bought in for like a hundred bucks, and I was up like eighteen hundred bucks. And the pit boss came over and started kind of giving me a problem because we were cussing and just having fun. So then it spiraled out of control to where the other pit bosses came over. And uh, not the other pit boss security came, and of course, like ten security guards come over. And like I tell it on stage, is that there there was one fucking awful head of security that they called the sergeant, and he he had my ID, and he saw I was from Wyoming and everything. So he came over and he tried to be a jokester, and he was like, because uh, they were mad at me for cursing in front of a woman in the casino. So he was like, "Hey, I don't know how you talk to your little sheep girlfriend in Wyoming, but you're not going to say shit in front of women in my <laughs> casino." And all the little security guards laughed. And I was with uh, two of my comic buddies at the time. And I was like, you know what, sir? I never like to curse in front of women. But I do know a group of women that curse every single morning. It's your mother's when they wake up and go, my son is a 47-year-old security guard in Las Vegas. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Now my (laughs) So now my guys start laughing, you know, and he's like, all right, you're fucking out of here. But... If you you know when security comes in a crowd forms and like I'm a performer so I see a crowd I'm like fuck it it's showtime yeah. so I looked at my buddy I'm like watch this I didn't know what I was gonna do because I was wasted and uh so I'm walking back by the roulette table where the whole thing started and the pit boss is just kind of sitting there looking at me with like a smirk on his face like he'd won and I was like fuck this and I went back to that roulette table and as I'm walking by you know in front of the roulette table there's like a hundred thousand dollars of chips i just reach in fuck it don't grab the chips i stop the wheel while it's spinning and i pull the roulette ball out right in the middle of the casino right casino just goes dead everyone's just staring at me you know like i'm holding a fucking time bomb and like i say like it's like when you're a little kid if you can't play taking my ball and i'm going home yeah then i realize i don't fucking want a roulette ball and out of the corner of my eye now i see the pit boss looking all weird and i just reared back and i threw that roulette ball at him as hard as i fucking could right hit him right in the chest just get clobbered by casino security. They tackle me, you know, and they take me up to casino jail. So I'm I'm sitting in casino jail just talking shit to them because I fucking hate security guards. But then the real cops come. And, like, I never fuck with real cops. And uh, so the cops are like, we'll take you from here. And, and I was like, shit, I'm going to be in trouble. I've never been to jail. So they walk me down this long hallway, and I get in the elevator. I'm in real handcuffs, and I'm like, I'm fucked. And uh, <laughs> this is this got real. Yeah, it got really real, and I'm scared, you know. And I went from being a badass talking all this shit, and uh, and then right when we came down, the cop gave me a ticket, and, and before he gave me a ticket, he just turns to me and he's like, "Yo, I've been doing this job 17 years, and that is the greatest fucking story I've ever heard." <laughs> So he gives me a ticket, and he goes, don't worry about this ticket because we're not going to show up for court, and the casino can't pay all those people to go to court. Just don't do it again. So once I got away with that, then I knew all you, hell broke loose. Then that's when you yeah. had the fucking ticket yeah. and to be- do anything. And, and I knew I could do anything, and nobody could fuck with me at the time because I was betting so much money. 
I, I was like that douche that would go, do you know who I am? Because I looked young, and that's like my pet peeve. Like, if I'm 25 and someone's 45, we're still fucking grown-ass men. Treat us the same, you know what I mean? But those yeah. security guards are just fat pieces of shit, and they'd always come fuck with me. So they would bother me, and then I would throw a scene, and then the casino would go, well, this is like one of our top gamblers. You know, we can't. You nope. can't fuck with them. How did you get into gambling? So I was working. It was just a miracle, really. I was living. My dad was in prison the whole time I was a kid. So my dad got out of prison. Wait, what was your dad in prison for? Just like drugs, moving cocaine and shit. So he was in and out of prison. But he was in like real prison in like Leavenworth and shit. Holy shit. So he was in oh, by prison. By the way, I, I, I just drove, yeah. drove a motor, motorcycle through Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about you the whole time. I was like, fucking so pretty up there. Oh, it's so I remember beautiful. you telling me how fucking pretty it uh, is. Beautiful there. The people are the best. So we grew up in Wyoming. My dad would move coke like all along Nebraska. He was in the railroad to start, and uh, then he got out of it and was like a bookie and a drug dealer. And then, uh, so he got busted, like uh, moving cocaine when I was like five. So then my, Shit. so then my dad goes to prison. My mom tells me he's in college this whole time. So I think he's in college. And, he was uh, on my program in college. Yeah, he's yeah. in the fucking nine year program. <laughs> yeah, with a few visits. So he would go. He, my dad would actually go in and out of prison. You know, I saw him like maybe every three or four years. Do you have a relationship with him now? No, I'll tell you what happened. That, that's when it gets bad. That's my probably my machine story. Uh, really? So I'll, I'll just give you the quick version. So my dad gets out of prison. I'm going to college in Phoenix, and he call or he sends me a letter at the time. He goes, you know, I'll be at this airport. Come see me. So I go to the airport to see my dad. Which was the weirdest thing because I didn't know what my dad looked like. I hadn't seen him for so long. Yeah. So I was literally walking around the airport, like peeking around bars and shit. Like, is that my dad? Is that my looking dad? for grown men to make eye contact yeah, yeah. with you? And then I, so then I see him. Then it's obviously I knew it was my dad once I saw him. So I give him a hug, and my dad's just like this charming guy. And he's like, I'm, I'm, he was going to Vegas. He somehow had like a cocktail waitress girlfriend. So he's moving to Vegas. Now I'm in college, in junior college in Arizona, and I was like, I didn't like college anyway. So me and two of my buddies are like, fuck it. We're moving to Vegas. We wanted to be uh, pirates on the pirate ship at Treasure Island. You ever seen that where they yes. do the fucking... What an odd that was our goal. We're like, fuck, that'd be the greatest <laughs> job in the world. So we moved to Vegas to you know, be pirates and live with my dad. So I get to Vegas. I'm living in a trailer with my dad, his girlfriend, like her three kids and three of us just in this shitty-ass Holy trailer. But it was, it, was the funnest, it was the funnest time of my life. And I'm having this relationship with my dad. Everything's good. My friends move. My two friends move home. I'm about to move home. I'm working in this shitty ass casino, uh, like that you wouldn't even know. Way off the strip, counting money at night from like twelve to eight. Just a miserable fucking job. And I have a girlfriend I'm in love with back in Wyoming. I'm about to move home, but I've been playing basketball at this gym, and uh, it was like this high end gym. It was the only gym by my house, so I was paying like a hundred bucks a month to go there, which was I was I had, luckily I had a credit card, and I kind of had figured out Vegas early. Like it's all about who you know, and I met this dude. So he told me that he was a professional gambler on sports, and I was like, holy shit. And he was like the coolest guy at the gym. I was just kind of drawn to him anyway. So one day I go, hey, you know, give me your plays. What should I bet? And he's like, all right, I'll tell you. He gave me five plays. He goes, bet these, you know, and uh, and don't tell anyone I bet you. I, I told you. So I go bet these five games. I tell my dad, of course, they all fucking lose. Just get yeah. destroyed. I bet all the money I have. So I, So now I can't really go home, and I go back to the gym, and I see that dude, and I know he feels bad. So he goes, he's like, you, you want a job? And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go home. He's like, just come to lunch with me, you know, and we'll see. So I go to lunch with them. And then at the, at the lunch, he's like, yo, 
did you want a job? And he explained it to me, and I was like, holy shit. So this other dude that was like a ex-Major League Baseball player at the gym who I, who I always thought was also like the coolest dude was like going to be the guy that trained me. So we go out, we get in a BMW. I've never been in a BMW in my life. You know, I'm like, holy shit, this is so cool. And he, he, we go down the strip. He gives me $20,000 cash. First bet of my life. He goes, go in there and bet Duke football. And I'll never forget at Bally's Casino. Most money I've ever had in my life is like maybe $800. Now I have 10000 of brick in each pocket. <laughs> Holy shit. He goes, go in there and bet Duke football. Now, this is like... No, wait. Why can't they bet? Well, they do. They're set up. My boss is in an office with his his partner and everything. They're in an office. Then they have us on the street. So they're betting all the offshore shit, and then we're running up and down the strip. Oh, wait. Hold on. Is this like... So this is... Wait. So this this is obviously other people's money? That I have is other people's money. And that's what everyone says, though. The thing is, though, but when I have it, it's my fucking... Everyone's like, ah, that's other people's money. But when it's when I have it, it's my money. Because if I don't have it, I fucking am responsible for it. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. So he, I go in, and at the time, it's when Duke football is like never won a game. And he's like, go in there and bet this for $20,000. i am like, why would we bet that? Well, they're never going to win. And he's like, here's the one rule. Don't ever fucking just always do what you're told. And I was like, all right. Went in, bet 20000 on Duke football, like plus 34. They get boat race they lose by like 49 (laughs) my first bet loses but then after that day so then for the rest of the week they train me and then after like a week they give me i have my own bankroll so i literally would have like a hundred thousand cash so i'd go home to this trailer and fucking i don't you know like when you're a kid and you go trick-or-treating and then you come home and you lay out all your candy and you put it in different order i would come home and do that with a hundred thousand dollars and like put hundreds in my initials and stacks of 10 it was fucking the craziest so i got this great job and uh so essentially what we would do is like i'd have the next tell you remember those beep ones yeah yeah so that's what we worked with so then if a game came across they would be like saints minus seven go or Saints minus five, six, or seven, go. Or sometimes they would just go, Saints, go. And then that's when I knew there was like a big move. So then I kind of figured out when to bet for myself and everything. So I was making a shit ton of money. Now, these guys are multi, multi-millionaires. And why – but I'm still stuck on the fact that why are they having you so they, do it Well, first of all, them? they're like 45-year-old men and 50-year-old men. That don't, they're not running – you know, they're millionaires. They're not yeah. running up and down the strip. And and I would bust my ass. Oh, so you're more like – almost like a valet service for them. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and like they, I, they can bet more on the, you know, they can bet, let's say if we want to get a hundred thousand down on a game, some of the, cause they knew that we were the smart guys. So yeah. we'd only have limits. So like, let's say if I go into the Venetian, if you go into the Venetian, you could bet 50,000 on the Steelers. If yeah. I go in, I can maybe bet 10 cause they know who we are, but we could get better lines like on the offshores move faster and everything. So we just had an advantage or if we knew an injury or something, we would know it before the casino. So I'd run in there and I'd pop it. I go, if we knew like Roethlisberger was out, I'd run in there. I go, let me bet against the Steelers 20,000 and they'd give it to me. And then I'd pull the guy aside and say, Hey, you might want to watch that game. Roethlisberger's down. So I'd always get my own bet first. And yeah. then, so well, we kind of had to deal with the casinos like that. Yeah. So we, so that was my job. It was the greatest job in the world. And, uh, and like I said, Fuck the story, it. so I was carrying all this money and you just get a confidence because I just always have wads of cash, always hundreds, nothing less. So even if I'm at Arby's or something, I just pull out a wad of 5,000 and you just become the way people look at you when I'm just a little kid from Wyoming at like 22. Yeah. And then when I'm a kid pulling out $5,000 cash, it's just like, it, you could do anything, you know. So that's fucking insane. It was fucking crazy. Best job in the world. So I'm making all this money. I, I couldn't dream of a better life. My boss is the greatest guy in the world. I just like a father figure to me. Just 
couldn't be better to me. And you know, and I'm a, and I'm just I'm still a kid from Wyoming. I was living in a town of like 123 people, coaching JV basketball before I moved to Vegas, and now I'm in like a five million dollar mansion, fucking eating with Chris shit. every other night. So I'm just fascinated by this life. Everything's going good. My little brother's living in Portland. He's just a stoner dude, dropped out of high school, followed the Grateful Dead, just a big heart, good dude. So I convince him to move to Vegas, and I get this house for me and my dad and my brother. We're going to, you know, have a relationship like we should, you know, because everything's going good with my dad. Everything's great. So my little brother moves down. We're living. Everything's good. My dad's on parole this whole time, so everything's straight. He's got to do drug testing and everything. My dad gets off parole. And it just starts to go downhill, and he starts hanging out with like little twenty-year-old white gangster kids, just like the fucking worst thing in the really? world. Really? Because he's back on drugs, you know. <clears throat> but he's kind of trying to hide it from us, and so it all comes to a head. I'm working a college football Saturdays. I'd have to be down there like at seven in the morning and bet all the way to like seven at night. Yeah. So busting my ass, I work all day. I come home. I come to the house. My dad's there. I'm exhausted. You know, I'm just like going to lay down and, and go to sleep. So I go to sleep. My little brother comes home, and he comes in, wakes me up. He's like, oh, shit, someone stole my money. My little brother had saved up like $320, $350 to go see his girlfriend graduate college in Portland. Yeah. So he wakes me up. I get up, fucking freak out, run downstairs looking for my dad's car like, this motherfucker, one of these little kids stole my brother's shit. Then it hits me when I'm outside like, oh, shit. I run back upstairs, look at my shit. My dad stole 80000 of my money. So... I'm fucking Shut freaking out. Up. So it's my little brother's crying. Like at the time, I'm I'm like 23. My little brother's 21. I see my little brother just sitting there crying. I'm like, and I have to go answer to my boss, who is like my hero. I'd never want to disappoint him. And this is a lot of money, you know. So I don't know what what I'm gonna do. So, like an idiot, I come up with a plan. I go talk to my boss and everything, and I come up with a plan. My mom once told me that my dad's deathly allergic to penicillin. Right. So. I call my cousin, who's like a gangster in Phoenix, like a real gang member, you know, and I call him up. I say, come up here, you know, and he's the most loyal dude. If anything happened to me or my little brother, my cousin's always there. So we come up with this dumbass plan that we're going to put some penicillin in a Jamba Juice in a smoothie and then give it to my dad to try to kill my dad. So Jesus Christ. And people are like, but we didn't. We're not like gangs. We're just Wyoming kids. That was our way of murder. So I at the time. So then I go. My cousin comes up from Phoenix. I'm like, you guys take care of this. I fly to Estes Park with my girlfriend. Like, you guys just call me. Take care of this. I'm Wait, out of Estes it. Park in, in Colorado? In Colorado, yeah. Oh, he's just there. It's That's the most where they did the, place the at the Stanley. Yeah, we stayed yeah. at the Stanley. Yeah, so I'm at the Stanley, at Stanley saying, take care oh, of this. Oh, shut know? the fuck up. And uh, so my little brother and cousin, they do. They get the smoothie. They try to give it to my dad. My dad won't take it. So then they, they get my, my dad trapped in the, in the garage. They try to kill my dad with golf clubs. But my dad gets out and fucking gets away, and then I've never, never seen him or spoke to him since that day. Seriously, and it's probably like thirteen years ago. Sweet, so what happened with the what happened with the money? Was your boss? My boss was mad, but he my my boss had met my dad, and and just in that business, they've been robbed a lot of times, and he just knew. Yeah, he knew I didn't do it. You know, I mean, at that point, we literally like best friends. He was, I think, part of it was my dad was a little jealous of the relationship I had with my boss because I yeah. just thought my boss, he's that dude. Like he's like when you come in a room and everyone, he's that dude with the stories, buying drinks. He's yeah. he's, he was the coolest. So I think my dad was a little jealous about that. But so then my boss, like, uh, you know, he understood, and then over time, you know, I, I paid him back parts of it, but he was pretty cool about it. And then he kind of just took me in as like a son. 
And then after that, uh, my brother left and went back to Portland and then I pretty much lived with him. Well, we used to have these gambling houses that we would work out of. So we would just rent a house and, uh, and then that's where we would work. But I would live there and everything would be under my name. And then they just come there and work out of it and bang their mistresses and do, it was just a house for, which was the coolest thing because I I just have this fucking thing, especially then when I was carrying all that money, I hated to be like disrespected. Yeah. And uh, so, it's so funny because I it's I, it's such a part of your personality I don't know because like I only know you as a humble comic like that's yeah, it yeah. like I never like I remember you telling me something you were like I, I have such a problem with security guards like I have such a problem with like there's and you were like I, there's a lot of places I can't go into and and you're like and I remember going like I never saw any part of that on you well it's just I feel like they're just bullies you know I, yeah. I just hate that that they think that they could talk to me. Just because I'm younger than them or something, they just like to bully people, and I fucking hate it. So, yeah. and that's the same thing when I, and it really they weren't really bullying me. But my favorite part about renting a house is they I'd go in there and I'd give them my credit, and they'd be like, uh, "You you know you can't rent a house from us because I was only like 23 at the time." Yeah. And then I'd go, "Well, how about this? How much is the is the house?" They'd be like, "Well, it's three thousand a month with a three thousand dollar security deposit." I'd be like, "Well, how about this? I'll just bring you cash for the whole year tomorrow. I'll just come with thirty nine thousand. What do you think of that?" And they'd be like. You got a house. <laughs> Shut the All of a sudden, up. you're you know you're cleared. So it was so cool because then I didn't have any bills. I lived this life, and then my boss paid. You know, Vegas mentality is if you're the richest dude, you pay for everything. It's just a given. So like, if I'm with my bosses, I never pay anything. But then if I'm with the comics, you know, I pay for everything. But yeah. he treated me so good. So then I just had this crazy life, and then that's where all the stories come from. Is once I did that roulette ball, then I knew I was against. I was above, you know. The, one of the other greatest times we did was we rented the little rascals, yeah. like old people drive or, or fat people, filled the basket up with beer and just cruised up and down the up and down the strip. Right. God, that seems like a fun fucking Most vacation. Most shit ever. You know, you you cruise into a bar, three people hop off, girls are just on it. Everything's great. We're having fun. We. uh we're at the Bellagio. My buddy rides it up an escalator, you know, like rides it. You know how yeah. like a, a roller coaster, obviously, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ride it up there. And then I don't know why we did it, but then we were trying. My buddy was going to try to ride it down. Yeah. All these people are at the bottom like, do it, do it. And we're dumb, drunk kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. My buddy tries to ride it down, fucking hits the brake, flips over the rascal. Oh, fuck. Lands on those like Those edge, things are sharp as fuck. Yeah, just has that shit imprinted in like his hand, his ear. The rascal runs over him, has tire marks on oh his fucking God. thing. Rascal hits the bottom, blows up into a million pieces. My buddy just takes off. We yell at people to help us come bring them back down, get on the rascals. We take off, just leave the rascal. Like, fuck it. At that time, I was like, if I pay 3000 I don't give a shit. Yeah. Whatever. We'll call it in stolen. We go to another bar. I was so obsessed with the rascals that I wanted to take it in the bar, and they wouldn't let me. I was like, I can't walk. I'm making up all these excuses. Yeah. So I'm talking shit to these security guards. Like, fuck you guys. And I think I'm going to be able to drive off. So I don't know, it's such a dumbass idea, like it's a Ferrari or something, and then I go to drive off, and they had taken my key out. Oh, so I was shit. like, fuck, and they handcuffed me, and I, I have these great pictures of me handcuffed on a rascal outside of Harris. Oh, that's fucking Then I had awesome. to go, and I got kicked out of that. I'm kicked out of every casino. What, what, was the, what, was the, what, was the, what was the thing that got you out of that, like that got you? Well, here's how it all ended was, because I was doing comedy, I, I had these legendary backyard shows, which you would have fucking loved, that started with Stan. I, I almost want to say I saw one online. Yeah, yeah. Well, I all, saw a picture of one online. Yeah, I, I had just started doing comedy, and but I couldn't do comedy because, you know, they're like, I even had management a little bit, and they're like, well, we got a gig for you, and like Wisconsin pays like 300 I'm like, man, I was making three $4,000 a day. Yeah. A day. 
and I was just blowing it, right? So then I... It's the most depressing thing, by the way, is when you do make money and you're young and you just tear through it. Uh, like, I, I, and I, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not I'm just – I look at like a Aziz Ansari and I, I know that he's – I assume that everyone in his family is really intelligent because he's Indian. I assume yeah. they're all doctors <laughs> and, that, and that, that he's not the kind of kid. But I look at him and I go, there's no way because he's so young and he's had so many awesome opportunities that have panned out in such great success that he – is living responsibly because you yeah. just don't. Well, I just didn't know, and, and that's the thing. He's yeah. probably a bad example of that, but like, uh, like uh, I don't, I can't. Everyone's there's no, there is no version of the Belushi anymore. It's like, and I'm not saying that, but it's like these. Everyone that's young and famous right now is like, uh, was like, uh, got bullied in high school. Yeah. So like, there's no Belushi. But I'll tell you what, I made, I was making a dick load of money when I was on the X show. I had deals, and I fucking tore through that yeah. cash. Like I tore through it. Like I, no one ever paid for anything. I had fucking great cars. I lived in Cecil B. Mills old house. Like I fucking lit that shit on fire. And there's no feeling like that. Oh, there's but, nothing better. <clears throat> but it's different to be forty. And well, make yeah. That money. Well, now I wish I had that money because then what happened was. It, then I started working for these other dudes, and I was just robbing them like blind because they didn't really know what they were doing. So I had a scam where I was robbing them, and then and then they set me up actually, and it was almost over. And I was I was to the point where it was the day of. I told my best friend, "Yo, we're if I had to go in, they had set me up on this thing to see if I was stealing from them, and they kind of caught me in this thing. But there was it's a long story to get into. But they're like, all right, we'll think about it. Come in in the morning, and you're either fired or you'll go to work. And if you're fired, then you'll have to go out, cash all your tickets and chips and everything in and bring the money back to us and you're done. So I told my best friend, yo, be ready tomorrow morning because if I'm fired, I knew they were going to send me out with this fat dude and the first casino we were at, I was just out. I was just going to take all the money, fucking have him pick me up at that casino and just be in a sprint to cash everything before they got down the strip and try to find me. Then just get on a plane, move to Wyoming with like 250000 and start yeah. my life. But it didn't happen. They let me keep my job. So, and then it was, but in the old days, so... I was making all that money and I couldn't I couldn't show it because my bosses knew what they paid me. So my money was just getting wasted on fucking three thousand dollar dinners and fucking yeah. just bullshit. So then I started dating this girl who was super rich. Who is was this the, the chick I know? Yeah, this is the one that yeah. you met. So then I started dating this girl who was super rich, so she was the perfect fucking alibi. So now I'm robbing these guys like five, six thousand dollars a day and my girlfriend's like lives in Barcelona. I'm like flying to Barcelona for the weekend. Just living a fucking Fuck yeah. retarded life, right? Anything you want. We would just wake up on a Thursday and go, what do you want to do? Let's go to Boston and see fucking James Taylor. Let's go to Milwaukee. That is, that is something I wish I – like people go, uh, if I won the lottery – I we were talking about this the other day. And I was like, I'd try to cure a disease or something or what I wish – the only thing I wish everyone could have at one point in their life – and I had it. I don't have it anymore, but I had it when I was on – when I when I was younger, because I didn't have it, I didn't have any responsibility. Yeah. Was that feeling of let's go to? I remember saying to Leanne, let's go to Italy. Yeah. She's like, when? I go like next week, and she goes, what? And we went to fucking Italy for New Year's it's Eve, awesome. and yeah. it was like, and it was I had all this money, and I thought I was cut to two months before George is born. I am broke. I have not a fucking <laughs> cent. I finally have responsibility in life, and I don't have any money to come on with it. Yeah, so. I'll, I'll tell you how this story. Well. I'll tell you how it comes full circle. So then I'm blowing all that money, living the life. Like you said, oh, I flew my girlfriend. We went to Paris for Valentine's Day. Just go. Just yeah. like what you're saying. So everything's good. I got like fifty, sixty thousand under my bed at my house stacked. Everything's great. My bosses are like, yo, because they had invented a new computer-like program for the football. Because these guys were like geniuses, like young yeah. geniuses. 
they're like, we're going to make so much money next year. So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to make so much money next year. So I'm still plowing through this money. So it's like June. We're getting ready for football, you know, and we bet preseason. So I literally just have to get to August. Well, these guys are really good dudes, but they're like dorks, like computer nerds. Can't get any pussy, right? So they fly to Thailand to get wives. One dude stays back and doesn't go for whatever reason. We'll never know. And he's like bipolar and has like a bad back. So he's taking all this weird medicine. Dude freaks out in the middle of the night. You know, he's calling his mom and shit. Freaks out. His mom gets worried, drives up from Phoenix, can't get in the house to see what he's doing or what's wrong with him. Calls the police. The police come, bust down the doors. Fucking find the dude dead in the pool. We have a basement in Vegas that we work out of, which no one has. They go down... To confiscate everything. I had like two point three million in the house, three different safes. They take everything, right? Because they think we're bookies. Yeah. Confiscate everything. My bosses come back with their girls from Thailand. You know, brand new wives. Brand new wives. Limo to the fucking house. Get to the house. Front doors wide open. They're like, oh shit. They run inside. Everything's gone. Shut. They the call fuck the police up. and they're like, uh, we think our friend got kidnapped and we got robbed. And they're like, your friend's dead and you can come down and see us tomorrow. They go down there, fucking kind of explain to them, but they, they still want to gamble. So then they call me like the next day. They're like, yo, it's over. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, it's over. We're moving to Costa Rica tomorrow. And they fucking moved to Costa Rica the next day and it was over. Holy and shit. That was, and that, that's was how it. It, that was it. And then I just woke up one day and it was over. And I was had, and I'd been plowing through that money. I still probably had like 30 or 40, but it was just like that. It was done. And they, and they were moved to Costa Rica and I was, I never talked to them again. And then, and then in a weird way, when you get out of that, you kind of are out of that. All the way out of it. That was the end of it. I'd maxed out. I'd worked after my first boss. I worked for this other guy, and then I worked. But that was, and it's a dying business anyway. It's just more an online thing anyway. So yeah. it was officially, that was it. So then I was a comic, and then like you said, we talk about all this money. I was blowing. I was just blowing through all that money. And then one of my favorite stories when it really hit me one time, Doug Benson calls me. I'm in Vegas, and he's like, Rogan left us tickets to the UFC. Or left him tickets. He goes, you want to go? And I'm like, fuck, I want to go. I've got $8 to my name. I'm like, the fuck am I going to do? I mean, Benson's bringing me. I can't just show up with no money. Yeah. And I had that thought. I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go to my bank, overdraw, just take out 200 whatever I got to do. Yeah. This is a fucking night. You know, it's Joe Rogan and Benson. I, yeah. What am I not going to go? It's UFC. And I, I remember I took out that $200 because that's all it would let me take out. I knew I was going to have fines. I ride the bus down to fucking the MGM, and I'm on the bus with just shitty people going, I bet none of these people have a $1,000 ticket to the MGM. Yeah. But I'm like, fuck it. I go. We go. First thing we do, we walk in. It's me and Benson walk in. There's Red Band and his fucking hot porn star girl, and I'm a fan of Rogan and Red Band anyway. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is cool, Red Band. Turn around, Bill Burr's right there. I'm like, holy shit, Bill Burr's here. Turn to my right, fucking Russell, I mean, uh, Ari Shafir. Then I get a phone call. Uh, 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 someone's texting me, and I look down. I don't, or uh, I got a phone call. I didn't know who it was, so I deleted it. Then I get a text like, oh, motherfucker, you're not going to answer my call? I turn around, I look, it's fucking Reuben Paul and Russell Peters. Holy shit. So I'm like, this is the great, now I'm like, fuck it, this is my comedy dream anyway. Yeah. And I was like. That's everyone's comedy dream. Yeah, so I'm with all my heroes, and then that night we go out with Russell Peters, fucking. I guarantee you he paid fucking everything. We went to the club at at Encore at fucking, and me and Benson look like me and Benson do, you know, I wear a hat, beard, and everything. We walk up to the front of the line, they're just looking at us like are you guys out of your mind and then benson's like oh we're looking for russell peters like oh sorry come right in we have a fucking table it's right after the ufc fight we have a table right next to the dj behind us are like all the fighters from that night and behind them are like kevin durant and james harden and russell's just fucking holding court buying everything and that was like the first time because you always hear these russell stories about how famous he was 
And that was the time I was like, holy shit, this holy. dude's a fucking famous. He's one of the nicest. But that was the thing. Dudes. But that's but those night that night was when I had no money was way better than the nights when I fucking lost three thousand yeah. dollars at an Uncle Cracker concert or some shit. <laughs> at an Uncle Cracker, what a great fucking reference. Oh, that's I'm, a true story. <laughs> fucking brutal. How'd you lose three grand? Fucking Uncle- my boss made me go to this Uncle Uncle Cracker concert. I worked for this other boss who would just make me do weird shit. And I was about to go home to Wyoming for Frontier Days, and I and I had three. What's Frontier Days? It's a ten day festival, of country music, largest outdoor rodeo, just a party, you know. Yeah. And I was coming back, three thousand cash, be a big shot, you know. That buys a lot of beer in Wyoming, and Fuck. I didn't even want to fucking. That go. buys a lot of property in our yeah. Wyoming. <laughs> I didn't even want to go to this concert. My boss was like, "You got to go." I fucking go to this concert, and I spend like eighty dollars on beer, and I was so obsessed with having three thousand dollars. I don't know why, because I'm an idiot. Yeah. I'm like twenty five at the time, twenty six. So as my on my way downstairs, I'm like, I gotta win this hundred dollars, you know, win this eighty dollars back, so I can get on the plane tomorrow three thousand dollars. So you can only guess how that went. Lose my first hand hundred, I'll double down two hundred. Yeah, double down. Then like the third hand, I get aces, dealt ace ace, got a double, get a third ace. I literally lost three thousand. I remember I was fucking. I lost three thousand in probably like twelve minutes, and I remember walking out of the fucking Barbary Coast just as a grown man, just fighting back tears, walking to my car like. Motherfucker, that was three thousand dollars. That there's that all because a, of Uncle Cracker. I was so fuck. Something I didn't even want to go to. I was so yeah. sick, man. I remember I lost I lost uh, six hundred bucks, and it's not a lot now, comparatively speaking. But it was me, my mom, my sister, and my sister, and and I took them to play uh, blackjack. I was a big shot. Yeah, so yeah. The first time the whole family's in Vegas, and I and I've been you know I've been gambling since I was like fifteen. Because we used to go to the Bahamas, me and my buddy Blake with his dad, and, and we'd sneak in, they'd, we'd gamble and until we got caught, but they didn't give a fuck. And so I'm a big shot. I've gambled a lot. I set us all down to blackjack. I pull out 600 bucks. I put a, I put like 100 bucks in front of everyone. I still I think I still got like two left in my pocket. And <coughs> my mom, I literally tears through the money. <laughs> my mom and my sister tear through the money, and my other sisters being very cautious, but they go through it so quick. So I go back into my pocket. Pulled another hundred bucks, put it in front of my mom and my sister for both of them, and and I'm winning okay, but my mom—it's like my mom's trying to lose, <laughs> and then all of a sudden she looks at me and she goes, "Wait, wait, are we playing him?" And oh my I, god! I said, "Wait, who have you been playing?" She goes, "I've been playing everybody." <laughs> I was like, no, no we're, just, oh. we're just playing the guy in the fucking tux, and my mom's like, "Oh, that's a totally different game." I was like, "Motherfucker." But yeah, I I remember losing that money, and then uh, it was like fuck. The whole weekend sucked. Then I was like, being a big shot is so cool until you like get home and 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 do damage control. There's, yeah, and there's like, no there's no, no one's really a big shot. I mean, I guess there are. Well, there are, and there's dudes I I know in life that I'm like, man, it's embarrassing how cheap you are. This is something I always talk about, and and about like one of our celebrity friends, and I'll tell I, I won't I won't put him on blast on air. Wait, wait, but, tell me who. Tell me who. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. my buddies go to dinner with. It's his sister's birthday, and they all go out to dinner at that nice uh, Brazilian restaurant, and and it's like broke comics and everyone, and everyone's uh, – so at the end of the bill, they just assume the multimillionaire is going to pick up the bill. But like most famous people, they just don't even have wallets because everything's always free. Yeah. So then at the end of the fucking meal, they – you know, he's like, oh, shit, I don't have my wallet. So all these guys have to scramble and pay like, you know, 10% of their life savings to pay for this dinner that they just assumed. Yeah. But – if you're famous, to pick up that tab is so much better than to have ten people tell that story about how cheap you are. Like anyone that's cheap, that's famous, I think is a fucking idiot. I started 
Colin Quinn gave a the speech at at Montreal this year, and he he said something like, I forget the words he used, but he was like, "Don't be chintzy." I want, I think chintzy is the right word, yeah. but he's like, he's like, "Do you remember that cheapskate headliner you worked with? Well, you're now him." And I was like, and it really fucking struck me because you do get you. Do, it's so easy to be cheap, and it and it and it's like so easy just to be like. Like you sell these T-shirts, you got all this cash in your pocket, and then be like, "That's my cash," yeah. as opposed to pick up lunch for the feature, or like, and you know, and I think I think the other side of that coin is that that I think a lot of times people think, like I know people think because I'm on Travel Channel, I have a lot of money, but you're in my house, you've seen it. Yeah. I don't like I it's it's cable. We're not. I'm I'm definitely making more than if I was just doing the road. But I'm also still doing the road for a reason. So like, yeah, yeah. like it's not like I'm doing the road because I love comedy. Like, I mean, it is, I do. But I, I need, I'm trying to fucking pay the bills. So like, uh, but like, I wonder sometimes. Like, it's it's interesting it, that picking up the bill. I always pick up drinks. Like, like yeah. I'm, well, I try to, especially if someone, if I'm out with someone and they're doing. I mean, it's just so much. I, I just feel better about it. I would hate to have that. Like, for instance, Carrot Top gets a shitty reputation. My buddy, my best friend, works at a restaurant in the Palms. He always tips him a hundred dollars on top of every single time, and that story goes through me. Now I tell it to you. Now you have a million. Now there's fucking a hundred thousand like, people. That and just then there's it. other guys that I could say like that come in and just cheap them, and then that story travels. It's if you're it, like I agree. Like just because you're on TV doesn't mean you're rich. You know yeah. what I mean? So some people just but the people that truly are rich that don't do it. Yeah. The PR from it is just so fucking bad. I, I just I got, an extra hundred dollars to not have a hundred people tell a shitty story about you. I was at I was at lunch uh, two days ago with uh, Mike Merrifield. He was on my podcast. I'm going to release this one this Tuesday. No, this next Tuesday. So it was the Tuesday before or the Monday mm-hmm. before, really. But Mike um, and I got recognized by the waitress, and the bill was uh, the bill was thirty. Two dollars. I'm gonna guess, and so I tipped her eight bucks, and then I was like, and then I and then I and but I already signed it, but that's how I'd regularly yeah, tip yeah, someone. That's how I just normally tip someone. It, but now I'm realizing I've been recognized, and she knows I'm on TV, and now I feel. But I'm not like I don't have like a hundred bucks to give her, but like I. But then I'm like, fuck. But I've already written it, so I'm like, shit. Which eight bucks is a good yeah, tip. It's a great tip. It's, it's a great tip. But, but now yeah. I'm like, fuck. I go into my pocket. I pull out an extra five dollars cash and leave it on there. And then I'm like, now I just look like a fucking like. Now I look chintzy. Like, and here's an extra fiver. Get yourself a soda. Like, and I'm like, son of a bitch. And I just started spiraling about it. And I was like, stop it. So then the next day I went in and I tipped her ten bucks on a twenty two dollar bill tip. But it's like, it's right. Tipping is like a. It's it's it really does. Fucking. I always leave a hundred bucks for the maid. When yeah, I that leave. stuff. It matters. I mean, like that fifteen dollars. You don't think about it, but in the long run, that's a fan already. That's just going to tell that story. I think if you really think about it long term, obviously you don't have to fucking be a baller and throw out a hundreds and be retarded. Yeah. But well, I I know once, and and that's the thing that I think it's like you said about the headliners too. When you feature and shit, when I'm a headliner, like a big headliner, if I'm making money, because there's times I work with guys that make fifteen thousand and I make five hundred as a feature. And I, I mean, I, they're not responsible to give me money, but like, I love Hedberg was my favorite, and I'd always hear these stories about, yeah, man, Mitch would just throw me like two hundred on the side and just say, which yeah. meant so much to people. So, and, and and it's different too. You have a family and stuff, but for me, grinding it out and people that if people that are 
that were features and go through it. You know, I've worked with guys that just kind of blew up and they didn't really. They, I don't think they know what a feature. They don't know what a is. feature. Yeah, so I don't yeah, really yeah. blame them. They're just like, whatever, man. I've always had. I've had a YouTube video. Now I'm rich. But. Yeah. The, yep. It, there's. Uh, there's. This was the. Uh, this is. This was the. Um, the description I got from. Uh, from Colin Colin Quinn, and and Norton. I talked to them at dinner at lunch one day. Uh, in Montreal, and I said, "So, what is the deal with tipping a feature? Like, what? Because, because I have, I have done it, and I have not done it. Like, I have done yeah. it, and and their rule is my rule, kind of. Usually, like, if you request a feature, then you should definitely tip them out. But like, if the club sets you up with the feature, you're not obligated yeah, to tip no. them out. And so I was like, okay, so that's always been my rule. But like, then I go, how much do I tip them? Like, like, like." I, I said to my wife, I, I had to run it by her because it's her money. And she was like, yeah. who the fuck are you giving money to? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, you you don't – like, like uh, there were t- – I don't I don't, I don't want to get too into detail because it will fucking – it will reflect directly on the exact yeah, yeah, people yeah. of my hit past. But there are times I did not get tipped and there are times I did get yeah. tipped. And, I, and, and getting I- tipped was a, was a fucking treat. Yeah. That- I say, you know, look, everything – I, I just got to tell the truth only, but you know, you know, everyone knows. I don't even want to fucking get into it, but it's it's fucking yeah, yeah. all this bullshit that it ter- then turns into gossip and drama, and you're like, I don't even want to fucking deal with it. Like, I don't even want to fucking. There's so much shit that I don't talk about that makes me fucking crazy. That I just am like, fuck. It's so much easier not to talk about things than to fucking talk about it. And then it's out there forever, and then you got to deal with it forever. So guess what. I apologize, everyone. If you want to know the story I was about to tell, come to my show. And I will tell you personally, but I'm not putting anything on a fucking podcast. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story. The other side of it was just someone doing it cool to me was I work Brad Garrett's club in, in, L- or in Vegas. And he, I mean, he can't, he's the nicest guy. I don't know if you ever, he's, he's the, the fucking yeah, best guy Yeah, in the I've world. heard nothing but really amazing. We and, were going to do something with him for Trip Flip, and I was uh, kind of excited. I, I would, he's just, I've never met a nicer dude. And he, uh, he comes to me before, and he's like... Hey man, we got we got a guest, you know. So Jason Alexander just shows up at the show. He's like, I'm gonna go me and then Jason and then you, Brent. Is that cool? And Jason I'm, Alexander from Seinfeld, Britney Spears' husband. No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could much rather follow him than uh, yeah. the real Jason Alexander. So he go. He just asked me that in the green room. Is like, is that okay with you? And I'm like, well, you're my boss. What am I gonna yeah. say? No, I'm yeah. like, So they do this thing, fucking. So Brad Garrett's out there and he's just talking about. I used to be on the number one TV show in the country, and the crowd's going crazy. And then Jason Alexander just busts out and goes, "Really? You were on the number one TV show? I thought I..." And the oh, crowd just fuck. goes fucking bonkers, right? So they banter back and forth for like ten minutes, just destroy, hug each other, everything's great. And then they go, "All right, we're bringing up the next comic." Oh, shut the fuck <laughs> up! You know, and uh, he brings me out, and the crowd just looks at me like fucking. They're, like, they're expecting Cosby or something. Yeah. So I do the set and everything, and then I, I we come off stage. And I'm sitting in the green room, and he just comes over to me and uh, shakes my hand with a $100 bill in it. He's like, hey, man, you did a great job. Go get yourself something nice to eat tonight. And I was just like, holy Dude, shit, get me. Man. Let me tell you something. Get me to that place where, I'm a, where I've got money uh, to give out, and I will fucking give it yeah, out. Yeah, he, he does shit like that all the time. I mean, but it just made my – like you said, when you give a feature $100 or something, it means so much to him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – like when I feature a lot – I mean, I make $500, so that's like 20% more. It's like crazy yeah. how much that means. It, it really does mean a lot, and it's like uh, – and. Yeah, I, I I just I I've got to step up my I, I, and I say that I've got to 
what I need to do is I need to consolidate my road work and I need to get it so that I'm always with the same people because I, I not that I don't care, but I, I just don't have time to care. So like yeah. I'm going to fucking New Mexico tomorrow, no Friday, and then I'll be gone for two weeks and I just show up to a fucking club and I've been, and, and like I was just in Alaska. I was off the fucking grid for a week and then I go to fucking sleep on a lighthouse and then I show up to the Columbus Funny Bone. Thank God. <laughs> Mike Merriweather's funny as shit. You ever met him? No. You'd like him. He's a fucking really good dude and he's really funny. He was on my last podcast, but he was uh he was really funny. Well, and the good clubs, they have an idea who to put with Stroop, who, you know what I mean? Let me tell you something. Stroop can book fucking features. He knows who to put. Aaron can book like there's, there's yeah. like so you go to some clubs and you're like, "Really?" Like well, that's probably, you probably don't have to worry about it that much anymore because you don't have to take the shitty clubs. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think you really have to worry because so, a lot of these clubs are great. They take pride in what they're doing, and they're great. And then there's other ones that are fucking... I've worked those clubs. I can't wait to stick it to them one day if I ever even go back. I don't, I don't have any club that I... I don't have any club that I worked that I hate, that I <coughs> like look back in anger with. Um, there are some clubs that I still work that I had an unhealthy start with, but I feel like we got past it. Yeah, because you're making them money. <laughs> it's funny. Once you make the money, they're a lot nicer. Once you make money, then everything's different. Once you make a club money, yeah. god damn, you're like, so that's what you guys were like. Yeah, that's how you should be treated. But the problem is some of these clubs are doing it right, and they just treat you like talent no matter what level you are, and then you really appreciate those clubs. Then you go to these other ones, and they're just like, hey, man, don't get in the way of us selling chicken fingers. We're, you know? Yeah. It's just... It's a fucking... But, I mean, it's a hard business, but it's the best. Are you doing, are you on the road a lot now? Yeah, I've been opening for Jeff, my buddy Jeff Dye a lot, and then I, I still go back to what I learned from Stanhope is just, I just book my own shows a lot on the road and just Dude, call Dude, Subaru's doing that a yeah. lot now. And so I think this podcast thing's changing everything, and the less you have to deal with bookers, the more I would prefer it, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you're, you're more of that. I always like, I, I always like that middleman, oddly enough, because I like the, the assurance of it. Well, yeah, the structure's Like, better. the structure of it, of like... Listen, uh, we got an offer from him, and then do you confirm? And then I type back, yes, I confirm. And then they're like, great. Who, you know, like, will you please send us your fight info? Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I love the structure of it because I'm, I'm so fucking chaotic every other. Well, yeah, when I can get to that point, but I'm still, I don't have a, a draw yet, so I just got to make it happen on my own, you know? That's a good way to go about it, man. If that, if well, that, fuck. I, mean, I remember if Gary I... Goldman and I, <laughs> Gary Goldman and I, um, were sitting at the Coffee Bean on Sunset. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the conversation we had. Like Dane was barely doing the road a little bit, like barely. And Gary and I were like, "How do we get on the road?" And we were sitting there like racking our brains. What? How do you get into those? Like, because our managers didn't give a fuck. Because the, the, yeah. back then the deal was, dude, get on a fucking sitcom. The road will show up. I remember Chris Rock telling me, and I don't know if Gary was there or it was Brian Scalaro. Chris Rock saying, um, saying, dude, don't. Why would you ever want to be a feature? Just be a headliner. And I was like, I was like, that's great advice, Chris. Thanks, man. I, I don't want to be a feature. I just don't know how to be a headliner either. Yeah, yeah. And feature is the most accessible thing right now. Like my goal is to be a feature. And he was like, don't ever. I and I remember Chris Rock saying, I never featured. I remember him telling me that. And I was like, I, it's like that advice you get from famous people when it's just such a fucking disconnect. Yeah. We were like, oh, I really appreciate that advice. 
That's great. You know what? I'll never feature, and I'll just sit here and wait until one day I get discovered by Eddie Murphy, yeah. and I get put into his movies, and then I start my own movie career, and I get on SNL. How's that sound? Chris Rock is a very nice guy. I'm not shitting on Chris Rock. He's one of my heroes in the business. Like, literally, the, one of the five reasons I got into stand-up was that fucking Bring the Pain special. Yeah, oh, and I fucking, and I, and I know his brother and his cousin very well, but I'm telling you that that, when you get advice like that from a fucking famous person, and you're like... I appreciate that. I yeah. wish you could just lower your standard a tad bit and have a real conversation so you could tell me really what to do. No, I agree. I don't. That, that's just that's one of a kind. Yeah. It's like LeBron or someone giving advice. Yeah. It's, like, it's like LeBron going, Dude, just go right to the pros. Why, why don't you, you just college? dunk on him? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go right to the pros? Well, problem is no one's even recruiting me for college. So yeah. how am I going to go right to the pros? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have a hard time with uh, free throws, LeBron. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that, that blows me away. But, I mean... He he was very nice that night. It was I'll never forget that room. It was Andrew Dice Clay, Chris Rock, Louis Anderson, and Roseanne Barr. And I was just like, "What the fuck?" And we were back at the comedy store. This is when I like when my goal was like, if I get into the comedy store, I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't uh, at the time. I'm so glad I didn't because I would be a very different person now. I would have never had the the path I have today. But uh, but I remember that time distinctly and going like I want to get in here and I was killing I was crushing on in the original room in the OR I was yeah. destroying and and so hard that like I remember they someone pulled me in they're like Mitzi needs to see you and I was like definitely and I was like in my head I was like bring her over to this room and they're like no go to the open mic room where you do two minutes I did two minutes there and I was like and and I. It was went fine, but it was two minutes in that room, and I was and she was like, "He still needs work," and I was uh, like, "Oh, you are fucking out of touch. I will not. I will never work this club." I go so back and forth with the store, like the process of getting in there. Sometimes is just like, but it's like a mu- It's part of it's like a museum to me. And some like Dude, for months, I'll be like, "I'm fascinated by this place. I want to be a part of this. It's a magical history it place." Is. But then sometimes I'll go there and be like, "This place is fucking negative." The energy's shitty. The process of just sitting in the back for two years so I can maybe get some guy to give me 145 spots, it's like it just seems like so I, – I don't know if I'll ever figure out my – It's, it's, it's a story. tad bit antiquated in the sense of – I'll tell you what it is. It's healthy for comics because comedy – comics need structure in the sense that they do want to feel like you earned it. They want – when you see someone jump up the charts, like, and I only say this because I use his name, but I'm, I'm not saying that he didn't earn anything, but Aziz uh, literally just skyrocketed to fame. He had a, and then, and then start, I don't know if he did stand up first or whatnot, but there were a lot of comics, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not, not myself, not anyone I know of, but there were, I'm sure there were comics going like, he didn't earn that, you know? He didn't do open mics with us. He, he didn't bark. How could, he didn't work at the store. Like, you know, and, yeah. and, and the, the store offers that. It offers like, hey, look, there's a pecking order, and if you get in line, you can get up there. And then, and some comics need that, but that's not this business. But that's so like 1970s. It's not, yeah, it's not this now. business. It's like, fuck it. Why not have NZ's Ansari go and have his own fucking sitcom or his own movie or his own hit podcast because he's talented. People enjoy what he does. You know, like <coughs> he doesn't need to fucking earn it, uh, dude. I've earned shit and then not got it. And I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah, what the fuck? Well, that's if anyone thinks this shit's fair, they're out of their mind. Dude, or anything's nothing, fair. I mean, people fair. are always like, "This isn't fair." He he shouldn't have got that. I'm like, that's why I don't know why anyone teaches a comedy class or anything. Dude, there's, comedy classes are fucking ridiculous. There's no fucking rules. Fucking comedy classes are fucking ridiculous. There is no rules. Anyone that tells me you can't do something on stage, I'd say you're crazy. People would say you can't go up there and just take off your shirt and pound a Heineken. 
every every person in the world would say not to do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, if you went to a comedy, comedy class wise, and you did that, I almost want to go to a comedy class where the guy doesn't know who I am and then do my do like a five minute set where I do it shirtless. I mean, I've been, lately I've been doing a lot of my shows shirtless, which does not make sense. Yeah. I'm sure, but what happens is I start, I take my shirt off, I, and I for everyone trying to dissect, not dissect, digre- whatever the fucking word is. I've had a couple glasses of wine. The dissect why I do that. Here, here's the reason. I get fucking. You get depressed on the road, and you're just like, this is going to be a long weekend. <laughs> this is going to be. I'm going to do a lot of drinking. I'm not going to work out much. I'm not going to get much work done because it's comedy, and that's the way comedy works. And I'm going to have fun. But I, in order to have fun, I need. To, I need to have a fun set. If I have a bad set, it's going to suck. So a lot of times what I do is I play music and I to cheer me up. And when I do, I get excited and then I fucking rip my shirt off. Like this week, I came up to Miley Cyrus every fucking show except for one. I came yeah. up to, yeah, Black Betty. But, but And it works. But that's the thing. It, I've, I've had people say, oh, you can't wear a hat. You can't sit down. You can't. People there talk is, about not having a beard. They're yeah. like, get rid of the beard. People with beards aren't funny. Really? Yeah. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. One of the fucking funniest human beings I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. More success than anyone. He, that's what, but that's what just what I'm saying is like, there is, I don't think there is any rules to anything, especially the way with alternative comedy now. I mean, the yeah. people, you just, that's what I just hate anyone. I that look says, at Brody Stevens. I will tell you, he is the biggest rule breaker. Like, like people go, uh, uh, like you'd tell a, a comic in, in, in fucking Tampa, hey man, don't mention the devil rays because when you go on the road, <laughs> it's not going to work. But man, Brody does fucking very specific stuff to Tarzana and I fucking laugh hysterically and I did not grow up in Tarzana. I've no. never been to Tarzana. And, but like, Take the thirteen bus. I, like I, I mean, love it. I fucking love that dude. Anytime, if I hear eight one eight, I think Brody eight one eight for I, life. <laughs> I said, I said it. Drop off the other day. They were like, uh, they someone said something about uh, we we've been looking to buy a new house. Uh, well, we've been looking to we've looking to never mind. Whatever we've been looking to in to buying a new house. And so uh, someone said mentioned something about getting me to a realtor. And what area are you looking in? And I said, oh, eight one eight for life. <laughs> I almost can see the hashtag. I fucking love Brody. He, I love him. I, I can't. I, I tell people, I think he's an acquired taste like for some people, but I, I think if you give him he's more like, than he's one like time. tongue tacos. Oh, I just love him. You respect people who order them, who get it. Yeah. And, 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 and you hope you get it also. Like when you order it, you're like, I hope it's as good as the last time I remember. I well, saw him. I saw him light up. I I never go to UFC, not UFC, UFC UCB, UCB. Uh-huh. I never go to UCB unless I'm doing Doug's uh, podcast. Um, I don't do sets there. I wish I did, but I don't. I just don't because I don't do sets in the city, and it would be fucking hypocritical if I, that you know. Yeah. I don't. I just don't. I never work when I'm here, um, unless it's you know whatever. Oh, God, I'm fucking explaining myself so much. <laughs> Is that exhausting? Um. So anyway, I see Brody do a set there, and I'm telling you. That this I Ari and I were in the back and we were laughing so fucking hard. He lit the room on fire, and it was. I just want. I want. I don't want it to change. I want it to be exactly that, and I want everyone to to feel the joy I have in watching him do stand up. Well, he he goes back to my old rule. Uh, same. I mean, I I love Hedberg more than anything. But if I meet someone and they're they're like Hedberg's all right, or if they like, I don't really like Brody. I'm yeah. initially like. 
I'm probably not going to like you. you. Yeah, like, I don't if trust you. you. Don't, if you don't like Hedberg, I don't think you get comedy. Yeah, I don't. Well, that one's that one's less and less. But when we're around other comics or, or just people are like, I don't really like Brody. I'm like, ah, how do you not? Yeah. He just, I, I can't be, a, I can't watch him too much because it'll just take over my real life. I'd never do it. I don't, I don't think I can pull it off on stage. But, man, if I see Brody like three nights in a row, I'll just, my friends will be like, really? Enough with the Brody talk. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, you know what? Uh Wow, that's a really huge compliment to pay Brody because I do it too. I do it if I'm around Brody, I will start doing it. Like he came over one day and right when I got the man cave, I want to say, and came over to see it because he lived right down the street and he left and I was talking like him and yeah. my wife's like, drop it. I but, do I do it with excitement in my voice. Like, yeah. Just like he does. He, he, I, uh, I, okay, I, confession time. Every time I do this podcast, uh, I want I I started off and I I everything's the same except for there's a 30 second clip where I put in you know hey uh, th- I'm still on the road yeah. this week this 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 uh, today's guest Brand Tobler uh, go to burberbert dot com get a shirt and then I always want to go uh, enjoy it yeah. I always want to <laughs> fucking say enjoy it and I and I have said it five times at least and had to stop and redo it and go fuck i'm doing enjoy yeah. i want you want to do that a tells like that a tell is someone that tom Skrull always says um him and push have this uh puppies every time they say puppies like pee uppies <laughs> but i m- my daughters will go boogly boogly watch <laughs> out watch out did everyone get it that's gonna get it <laughs> They, don't, he's the, they he's, don't even know what they're saying. They have no idea what they're saying. My wife will go, boogly, boogly, watch <laughs> out. Like, it, we will quote a tell yeah. in my house. It's such a cool thing that my daughters are quoting maybe one of the greatest comics. He's one the of the best. top, one, let's just say top 20 comics ever. David Tell's top 20. He's great. He, I tell you, one of the most disappointing things in my life, and it, not for him, but I, uh, I went and I saw him at the House of Blues in Vegas. Just destroyed. I've never seen anyone kill as much as he did. Packed. I mean, in that big room, too. They No no one took their eyes off him. Unbelievable. And I got to meet him afterwards. And uh, it was just when he had stopped drinking. Maybe like two weeks after. And yeah. I was just like, oh, I just want to do a Jaeger shot with the tell so bad. And he's yeah. like, can't do it. I mean, coolest guy. Fucking bought dinner for everyone. Took his, I, it's, it's, people always ask me. It's amazing. People always say, you meet your heroes. You don't do it. You'll be disappointed. I yeah. disagree in comedy. I disagree in comedy 100%. Every guy that I've ever met. I've never been disappointed one time. I mean, there's douchey comics, but none of them. There's the douchey comics, ones, but uh. like my heroes, like Chris Rock, when I met him, he was cool as fuck. Yeah. He was a nice guy. Chappelle, fucking the nicest fucking guy in the world. I, Attell, I'm sure I've told this, and if I haven't, I'm, I apologize. I worked with Attell. This is this is how dedicated. This is how like people go. Uh, will you ever stop doing stand up? And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? I love stand up. I will never. Georgia was supposed to be born uh, June first, and I we had all were set for that. And I we were broke, and I had set up work uh, for June, the weekend after that, like the first weekend after that, and uh, it was like June uh, 9th, tenth, and eleventh, and maybe twelfth in Miami. And Aaron had booked it for me, and she had got me to work with David Tell. That week was David Tell. The next week was Louis C.K. And the week after that was Daniel Tosh. Or maybe Holy those two shit. were flipped. So I was like, I was fucking pumped. I, Tosh was younger than me, had less credits than me, but I fucking his stand-up, in my opinion, I was 
me and Gary Goldman thought he was one of the funniest dudes we'd ever seen. And so I was like, I don't give a fuck that I'm featuring for Tosh. I want to work with him. I want to watch him work. I want to watch every one of his sets. Um, so we, uh, so George's birth doesn't come on the first, and I start panicking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna miss my weekend with a towel for this fucking kid. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck. So I go to the doctor. I'm like. How do we? And they're like a lot of long walks. Try Mexican <laughs> food. Leanne and I would walk from fucking from uh, Wilshire to fucking Beverly to go get uh, <laughs> tacos, and I would load it up with spicy food for like three nights. And come June fucking six, I was like, hey. This kid needs to show up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we can induce. I go, we're inducing. We induced labor Holy to have shit. Georgia so I could work with David Tell. I fucking was like, we need to have this fucking kid. And and I went. We had her. I fucking spent the night in the hospital, drove her home the next day. And that day, I got on an airplane and went to fucking Miami to work with David Tell. And I'll never forget. He was like, congratulations. And I was like, huh, for what? Working with you or the yeah. kid? <laughs> But and he was the sweetest fucking dude in the world. He was not drinking much that week. He was sick, um, uh, and he was, and he was like the first night we were like, we hung out and I drank and he like left early and he was like, oh, I'm gonna go to bed and I was like, oh, all right, I'll see you later. And so then uh, Friday night comes and he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out early. Don't and I remember I'll never forget. He's like, don't don't worry, one night I'll. I'll definitely party with you. Like he knew, yeah. he knew the the uh, responsibility he had to have a drink with me. He knew that it was something I. He knew that it was something everyone wanted. Of course. And he was like, "Don't worry, don't worry." And then Saturday night, he's like, "All right, tonight's your night. Let's go." Like, and he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go because he was massively famous at the time. He was getting recognized everywhere. He couldn't have a moment alone. And he was just doing it for me. And I remember the first like. I remember being like, I'm hanging out with a tell. Like, it was the fucking greatest moment ever. That's awesome. Oh. Well, I almost fucked up with one of my heroes. When I, I was dating Allie, we were in Vegas, and I got in a fight with Allie, and I was going to the comedy club. And you know comics, you always have your own booth, like where the comics sit. Yeah. So I come in the, the the room at the hard rock. I don't know if you did that hard rock room. But anyway, there's yeah, yeah. I think I did, that right? corner where the comics sit. Yeah. I come around the corner. I see this uh, pretty hot blonde and then like a, a kind of tall dude in like a Hawaiian shirt with bleach blonde hair. And I'm fucking furious at my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm on a mission to go over there and fucking kick this asshole out of our fucking booth. And I'm on my way there, and I and I see the little door guy. I'm like, who the fuck is in our booth? Because I was just looking for to yeah. take out my anger on someone. They're like, oh, that's Brian Regan. And I was like, <laughs> hit the brakes. Holy shit. So then my whole life flipped from, holy shit, fuck my girlfriend. Brian Regan's here. I'm about to perform in front of Brian Regan. So do the show. I, have you ever met Brian? No. Best dude in the world. So it's Tom Rhodes and Brian, and uh, who I love Tom Rhodes too. I, I love, Tom love Tom Rhodes Tom. too. So we do the show. Brian couldn't be nicer. The show ends. He's very like, uh, very you know nice, complimentary about the show. And then we we go out to we drink. No one really recognizes him, which because he never does a show in Vegas, which is his rule since he lives there. So no one recognizes him. He so lives we, in Vegas. Yeah. So he, but he won't do any shows there. So we're hanging out, and he. I wonder. Uh, I wonder if anyone's hearing that helicopter that just went over us. We have the doors open in the man cave. Uh, the exhaust for the air conditioning is coming back into the room, and it would kill us. So, so, <laughs> so we're ahead. hanging out, and he's just talking comedy. Just the most humble, nice. Do you dude. want more wine? Yeah, please. Let me open up another bottle. Just the most humble, nice dude, right? And uh, so then my girl Allie comes. I'm like. Fight over, Brian Regan's here. Come down here. Fight over. Yeah, <laughs> this is like important. So we were hanging out, and and Brian, uh, 
at the end of the night, the girls like want to play roulette. He gives everyone a hundred bucks, like eight people to go play roulette. And then, and he's like, if you win over a hundred dollars, just give me the hundred dollars back. If you lose, don't worry about it. Which was awesome because then all the girls went, and then I just got to sit there while they played roulette and talk to Brian Regan for like a half an hour and just the most humble, nicest dude. One of the, another crazy time, his wife calls me one time. I we're in Vegas, and yeah. she's like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" I'm like, "I'm not doing nothing. Why? What's up?" And he's like, uh, "She's like, hey, we want to come to your show. Is that cool?" Shut <laughs> I'm up. like, "Of course." So I'm doing this show in Mandalay Bay, and and so Brian and Kathleen come and. You know, he's nice before, and I'll never forget, I'm standing on stage, and I'm looking directly down this path, and there's Brian Regan watching me and telling people around him to be quiet and shit, and the, the dude before me, like, bombed so bad, just ate shit, and I was like, and, and this guy was kind of fucking with him, big black guy in the crowd, this little, little white dude, kind of just yeah. being a dick. I'm like, I'm going to show Brian Regan how funny I am, I'm going to come out and just fucking destroy this heckler and crush, you know? So I come out, set goes great fucking amazing watching brian regan watch me i come we come around i'm like here's my big moment brian you know and he's like hey man good set you pandered a little bit good set just kind of joking with me and yeah. i'm like cool and he goes hey where's that other kid i'm like what kid you know it's me you came to see me let's talk about me he's like where's that kid i was like the one before me goes yeah go get that kid will you and i was like all right so i go backstage this kid just like pouting sitting in the green room i'm like hey come out here man he's like i'm not fucking going anywhere I come out here someone wants to talk to you i fucking bring him out introduce him to brian brian just takes him on like a walk through the casino talks to this dude for like 45 minutes just telling him hey man don't worry just the coolest fucking dude in the world God. then comes back over and just i mean just does the roulette thing again just i mean he's he, just the most genuine if you when you meet him he won't i always tell people like what's he like i'm like he's cool he'll drink he, he, he'll, he'll curse he's 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 on stage he's got to sing but off stage yeah. he's a regular comic but he'll talk about comedy with you forever that's all i give a fuck but he'll about. never talk about himself just he'll deflect it the second someone's like oh man you're like the best to just be like thanks you know what's up with you God, it's a so, genuine so the opposite of me <laughs> you tell me you think i'm good and we'll talk about that for fucking hours nah he's the fucking he is the best i i didn't realize how big he was till i went to a show in colorado in this little town of fort collins and he leaves backstage passes for us. So we go to find him. We go to find like a meet and greet area or whatever before the show. We can't find anything. Every room's just like empty. And this lady comes up and she's like, oh, you're the guys? And I'm like, yeah, I guess we're the guys. So we go back and it's just Brian and like his kids and his opener and his manager. And they're just sitting Who's his there. opener, his brother? No, no. He, he uses like four different dudes and just rotates them. And so we I go. you got to work clean if you work with Brian. Yeah. So we go back and just gives me a big hug. We sit and talk for like 15 minutes. And then this other couple comes back. This manager comes over and they're like, hey, Bri, this is the, the girl that wanted to write an article about you. But we obviously didn't need to. They just want to take a picture. And I was like, okay, they take a picture. And then I asked the manager, I was like, why didn't you write an article? He's like, we sold the show out two months. You know, he sold the show out two months before the second it went up so he doesn't have to do any media he doesn't sell any merch he literally just hangs Dude. out with his kids walks off stage murders to fucking 15 year olds in the front row in BYU sweatshirts fucking Holy standing shit. ovation murders gets right back on his bus and fucking he had it all figured out I was like it just blew my mind that he didn't have to do any press doesn't have to sell any merch doesn't have to meet and greet not that I mean I love hanging out with fans and stuff Yeah. and I see like Gabriel or some of the times I was with Gabriel I was like Dude, I Gabriel, see why he blew fucking, up can I tell you something also Gabriel Glacius is one of the nicest guys oh, I've ever fucking the, met the nicest I got a chance to hang out with him for a little bit and he I, my buddy like did his social media and now kind of opens for him so we drove to like some shitty ass town I don't even remember where it was where he was doing a secret show these people lined up to see him at like midnight to get into this free secret show the next day 
Gabriel bought all these donuts, DVDs, merch, drove up. He didn't have to be there. Drove up from wherever he lives, like Long Beach. Drove all the way up there. Stood out there, took pictures, gave them all donuts, gave them all CDs, merch, just fucking. He is. I met him at the improv. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. He Look, I'll, I'll own that I'm probably a little bit of a piece of shit. Only because I drink a lot and I don't, I don't notice that the little thing makes the difference. You know, like people who don't drink they're very con- conscious of like of like how their behavior is affecting other people i don't because i i you know i just i, I i'm not saying i'm a bad person but i just don't pay attention and, and my ego is involved i'm like everyone else i'm fucking regular and then you meet someone like gabriel who i i when i met him he did something very cool which is like first of all i'll tell you what a clusterfuck of a human being i am i happen to have whatever i gotten off the road that afternoon and then Come home, and I still had my merch money in my hand, which was like, I'm gonna let's let's just make up a number. Yeah. So it so I but I'm only doing this so that you know how the how bad this was. Eighteen hundred dollars in twenties. Okay. Yeah. So I have that in my I have that in my pocket. I go to the club. I'm drinking uh, at the club with Nick Swardson. I and, saw you that night. I saw you that night. No, you know this exact fucking yeah. night. I think I even told you this that night. Yeah, yeah. And I met Gabriel, and I never he was met so a, skinny. Yeah, I didn't realize it was him when he came out. And he was, and and I said, "Hey, I'm Bert." And you know what he said? Which really fucking was like, he's like, "Oh, I've heard of you. I know who you are." Yeah. And I was like, you know, not a lot of people do that. Not a lot of people no, do that. I, I was sitting there of, watching, but I think it was genuine. Like, but I but, had, but I had eighteen hundred dollars in my hand as I was talking to him. So the whole fucking time, it looks like I'm showing him how much <laughs> money I have. So like, I felt like I felt like such a douchebag. But he said that, and I went, "What a fucking really nice guy," because he doesn't have to say that. He doesn't have to say that he knows me. And there are a lot of dudes that you meet in this no. business that go, uh, oh, yeah, how you doing, man? Dude, I have a list. Of, I, I laugh at my roommates the other uh, time. I'm like, guess who I met for the 14th time tonight? Yeah. I, fucking- I, mean, I, do meet, I do meet a lot of people for the first time 14 times, only because I'm well, usually yeah, drunk. But-, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, Gabriel was like fucking really nice and then really taught. We had a real conversation. And then I was like, wow. What a fucking really nice guy. He didn't have to be nice. No. He could have been a dick. And I would just been like, charge it. Tom Segura, charge it to the, the game. game. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen at that improv bar when there's like little headliner. When guys are standing around like, who's the bigger headliner? No one's going to approach the other one first. There's yeah. a lot of ego in this fucking Dude, game for lot sure. there's a lot of ego. And I, and I'll, I'll, I'll Which I think up. you have to have a little bit. But I think there's a difference between confidence and... Well, I tell you, there's a lot of false ego in this game, though, too. Dude, there's, that, that's what it is. There's so much false ego. Yeah. There's so many people that believe they're great stand-ups because of one thing they did on TV or one thing they did in the past. And you're like, you're not that good. Like you, you like yeah. very candidly, you're not that good. Go up on stage, prove it on stage. I remember watching people come off stage and be like, "Man, I fucking ripped that room," and I'd be like, "What fight were you looking at?" Because well, I get into it on the internet a lot. Like, why do you post shit like that? Like, your heroes never do that. You yeah. never see anyone that gets on it. Anyone that writes on social media, man, I fucking killed it tonight. Yeah. I crushed it. Like, why? I, I trust me when we all do good, but I. The people I respect just go. I've seen people crush, and they'll say, "Hey, man, it's a great room. It was fun to. Work. Hot I room. love that They're club. On fire great crowd. Yeah. They never go. I fucking. Just I've never. I've, I'm not the kind of person. Here's what. Here's my fault. Uh, but it's also what. I, what I. I will never change it. Um, I will never tell you I killed. I will always think yeah. I'm fucking. I will think I'm a hack. I will think I can do better. I'm so 
fucking that's just my personality and it's just because i don't like the way i sound it's like leaving stand up for me is like leaving a voicemail message and and, and I, I could hear it again i'm gonna like that sucked i found sound like an idiot i'll do it again but i do retweet positive shit on the yeah. internet because people go uh like i won't retweet like sold out show and stuff because i'm very really sold out but <laughs> but uh maybe i would if i did it but uh but uh i will um I will retweet like if people go, uh, Burt Kreischer killed it in Columbus. Because here's my theory: I don't like I don't like seeing negative stuff online. So like if people believe that's that's the reason. Like I had friends in the past who engaged on people that would hate on them, and they'd go back and forth. Well, most celebrities do that, or most celebrities do the opposite of what you do and just fucking yeah. retweet the hate. And I go, don't do that, man. You're you're putting out fucking sour milk for kittens. Like you you gotta fucking. Put out what you want to get. I don't want to get negativity. I do not want that in my life. Do you life. get a lot of negativity? I don't get any. Man, I got my first dose of it the other day. I don't know if you, I told you the story, but when we were at Captain Brian's and they tell you this? No, but... Uh, no, but... Or it was probably online. Captain, well, this is the second time Captain Brian's has come up on this podcast where people are like, that fucking room. Well, that room sucks. <laughs> and then we got in big trouble and it was a, they wrote a big Deadspin article about it. Who and did? then uh Well, Deadspin wrote about us. So me and Jeff... Me and Jeff Dyer down there at Captain Brian's. You know, and Captain Brian's cool, but it's a fucking seafood I love, restaurant. I love Brian for the record. Yeah, he was a great dude. I love Brian, and, I, well, and, I, and, I, and I, <laughs> I've had my hiccups in that room. I worked that room before there was a stage in it. So, like, so like everyone's like, oh, that room sucks. I'm like, yeah. Imagine what that room was like without a stage, when it was just a fucking mic stand in the corner. Like, that's when I worked that fucking room. I, I would sit on stage a couple times. I ate it, and I would just sit on stage and go, I'm going to fucking punish this restaurant when I get off stage by ordering lobster. Sure, I would yeah. just eat my way out of depression. But So we do the rooms, and he hooked us up in this fucking sick penthouse. I know I know the place. Unbelievable. Yeah, a few people have stayed there. Totally so we're in that penthouse, that and I'm in fucking, and I'm with Jeff Dye. You know Jeff Dye? Uh, not really, but Funny I Funny dude, good-looking dude. Chicks just come out in droves for him, right? So we're yeah. we're having parties in this thing. The so, only thing I know about him is he's like really Christian, right? Ah, uh, he was. He's not okay. not so okay. much. Uh, but I mean, he's pretty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> you, you're like, yeah, he still gets laid, but <laughs> uh, he he lives the life yeah. that most Christians don't. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> so we're at you know a cool dude, one of my best friends, and so we're partying. So we go out. I don't know if you ever went out in that shitty town. It's just like an old rich white people town. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So we go to a bar called Vanderjacks, called Vandy's, and it's the old kicker Mike Vanderjack for the Colts. I don't know if you remember this dude, but he would like dye his hair blonde, and he was pretty much a douche, right? It cost me a lot of money in Vegas one time when I had you know he shanked a kick. He's famous for shanking this kick, right? Yeah. So we go to his bar, and we're like, uh, <laughs> so. When we get there, we're like, hey, where's Vanderjack at? We're like, we want to talk to this dude. And they're like, well, he can't really hang out here because there was like a 12-year-old kid that was heckling him when he was coaching soccer. And, the, and he like choked this kid and he got in big trouble. So they're telling this story and we're like, God, this guy's a douche. And they're like, and his wife walked in and caught him fucking, uh, fucking one of the waitresses. So he didn't really come around the bar. And we're like, God, this guy is such a douche. So me and Jeff just keep drinking more and more. Well, I'm a diehard Bronco fan. And then Vanderjack... When he was on the Colts, he mouthed off to fucking Peyton Manning saying that it was kind of Peyton Manning's fault. So then there's a famous quote of Peyton Manning going, uh, oh, that's just our kicker. He got all drunk and he got all liquored up and ran his mouth. So as the night went on, I was like, We're, I'm like, it'd be fucking funny to jack something out of Vanderjack's bar, you know? And Jeff's like, Jeff is pretty Christian. He's never done anything bad. 
So he's like, all right, you know, and like I said, I roll for podcast stories now, so I'm like, and I had no I idea. roll for podcast this is stories. going to happen. Oh, shit, that should be a shirt. I yeah. roll for podcast <laughs> stories. So uh, he starts going around trying to get like a picture off the wall. He can't, everything's screwed on pretty good. We have these girls in the car waiting for us. As we're walking out, there's two Pro Bowl jerseys hanging on the wall. One's Vanderjacks, one's Edron James. Autographed, game-worn Pro Bowl jerseys. Big. I mean, I'll show you a picture after. I mean, like, the frame's almost as big as that TV. And I'm not lying. The really? TV, big. It's a big jersey frame. Yeah. We fucking, I'm like, yo, let's grab these. I touch them. I can see they're hanging on a string. I'm like, let's get them. He's like, all right, let's get them. We fucking grab these jerseys off the wall of the frames, run out, jam them in the car. They barely fit. We're like, holy shit. We go back to that penthouse, fucking bust open the frames, put on the jerseys. We're running around like Shut football players. Up. We made the Pro Bowl. Chicks are wearing them because they're long. Like, you know, we go to the hot tub and shit. Chicks come yeah. back wearing them naked. So everyone's just wearing these jerseys. Next night, we have a big party. We meet these five girls from Chicago. They come over. Everyone's wearing them again. These jerseys are covered in like beer and fucking glitter and shit. Like a real party jersey, Holy right? Holy shit. So now it's Saturday, or now it's Friday. We tell Captain Brian, we thought he'd think it's funny. We're like, yo, you know what we did? We Jack Vanderjack's jerseys. And he's like, I could tell right when Jeff told him, like, he didn't really think it was a good idea. And we do the shows. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. Saturday morning, he calls us. He's like, yo, you guys got to take those jerseys back, man. You can't do this kind of shit. You know, and we're like, what? It was just a pro- fuck. It's Vanderjack. Because they take them back. I live in this town. You know, I don't know if he's like trying yeah. to run for mayor or something. And I get it now. So I'm like, man. And Jeff's like, fuck that. We're not taking these back. Because this is like Jeff's first, like, really doing a bad thing. His he, first felony. He wants his, yeah. <laughs> he wants these jerseys. I'm like, Jeff, fuck it, man. Just, we got the story. Let's just take them back. We don't need to get in trouble. And he's like, fuck that. He's a snitch and all this. I talk him down. Yeah. So we take the jerseys back, load them in these frames, just throw them in the frames, right? Drive back to the club, set them over the balcony, like on the outside patio, at 10 in the morning, drive off, text Captain Brian, yo, jerseys are back, done deal, right? He's like, what jerseys? Everything's cool. Saturday night comes and goes. It's the last night. It's Sunday night. You know, we go out, we do the last shows, we get fucking wasted. We like, we want to get some girls. It's our last night. They're like, there's no real bars going on except for Vandy's. We're like, well, we can't fucking go to Vandy's. Yeah. And we have another drink. We're like, we're fucking going to Vandy's. <laughs> so we go to Vandy's. We get there. It's Vandy's birthday. It's Vanderjack's birthday, right? Shut up. He's already gone. So we kind of come in slow pace. We don't want to, you know, yeah. set the world on fire. And uh, everyone's cool to us. No one's really saying anything. So we're just like, whatever. We're having a good time. We're drinking. We drink. We get fucked up. Then, at, you know, about one, I, get, I start looking at Jeff like, you know what we got to do. What would be more gangster than steal again. the jerseys, give them back, steal them again? He's like, for real. So we start, you know, and by, at this point, there's only like one bartender. So we're kind of like going through the back, trying to find an office or figure out where it is. If I can open this like conference room, there's the jersey sitting on the floor. I just reach in, grab Vanderjacks, put up my shirt, duck out a side door, call Jeff like, yo, come outside. I got these girls waiting for us. He comes out. He sees the jersey. I'm like, here you go. He's like, yes, we got this fucking jersey. Go to the penthouse party one last time. We wake up. He's He has to fly to New York to do his MTV show. So he leaves at like 8 in the morning, takes off. Now, I got to meet him in Raleigh on like Thursday. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to squat in this fucking penthouse or just chill, do whatever I got to do till I go to North Carolina. Jeff's gone, takes the jerseys in New York. About 1 o'clock, I wake up. I get a fucking... I got these messages. I call the dude back, this Captain Todd dude. He's like, yo, you got to get off the island. The police are looking for you. And I'm like, holy shit. Pack up my bags. I knew this girl in Naples. She had someone that was on the island pick me up, take me to Naples. 
So now we're getting all these calls from Vanderjack and the police like, yo, man, give me my jersey back. I know you guys took it. And we're like, Shut <laughs> fuck, the fuck, you know? And, and so then he's like, we're like, man, don't even worry about it, you know? Because at the time, uh, Jeff's rep by Barry and, and by Cats, Barry Katz. Yeah. And then and we figured we'll tell Barry to get this on Jay Moore's show and all this shit. But the, what we didn't know is the fucking Captain Brian called like our management agents and shit and try to get us in trouble to give us to give the jerseys back. Oh, so now shit. Barry's all mad at him and Jeff's agents are all mad at him and shit. So then Vanderjack's calling us and we're like, fuck, man. We're like, don't worry. This is good press, Vanderjack. We'll give it back. Let's just have fun with it. And he starts getting mad. He's really? like, fuck you guys. Give me back my jersey. And we're like, well, fuck you. We're never giving your jersey back, you know? So then he he's like, so then our lawyers are like, you got to give this jersey back. It's like a felony. So yeah. then he writes up a contract saying we have to give the jersey back, pay him $1,000 for each frame, and we can't talk about it on stage or on a podcast or ever. And we fucking rip that up. We're like, we're comics. You can't censor us. It goes yeah. against everything we believe in. We rip up his contract. We're like, fuck you. We'll send you your jersey back. That's it. We're not – that's it. And he's like – then he called us back and he's like uh, – all right, then I'm going to proceed with this. And then Jeff was like, so we ended up just sending the jersey back, paying him 20. We had to end up having to pay him 2700 and just let it go, and then we could talk about it. But So to like put it back in frames and stuff? Yeah, so we could get a new frame or whatever. So then they so then they put it on Deadspin, and Deadspin just – so then everyone on the internet just blasts us like, you guys are fucking assholes. You guys are pieces of shit. I mean, I get – me and Jeff are both getting just trolled all day long. Really? And we're like – yeah, it was douchey. We're drunk. It was like a dumb it's, thing. It's the way you know. Look, it's it's the fucking shrapnel that comes with living the yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's like there's everyone's got that one story where they fucking got hammered. But the thing is, like, if, if it happened yesterday, everyone's it's real close to everyone, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're a dick." Ten years from now, it's a fucking no, great story. All my fans and everyone loves it. Yeah. People close to me, it's just the internet. And I'm like, last time you heard from this guy, he was choking a fucking twelve year old. Yeah. And now you're acting. Like, I'm an asshole that stole his jersey and gave it back. He's got to love the fucking positive. Oh yeah, he loved spin. it. Yeah. Well, Deadspin, the Deadspin writers hit me up and they're like, "Man, we've never seen a story go so bad like that." Really? And I'm like, "Hey, man." Any press is good press. Just spell my name right. I don't give a fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they were like, so we didn't care. And then they were like... My dad stole 80 grand from me. You think yeah, I give yeah, a yeah, fuck what fucking some place kicker things about me? <laughs> I tried to pitch him my other story. Well, anyway, and then we were going to Tempe Improv that week, and we find out Vanderjack lives in Arizona now, and we were going to send him a message, invite him to the shows and shit, and then we we're like, we should just leave this guy alone. Yeah. Deadspin's like, just get a picture with him and apologize. And we're like, we're so... We already said we're sorry, We, you know, but we have these funny voicemails and texts from him. Really? Yeah, but then I try to pitch him. I'll tell you my cra- uh, another craziest story. So I move out here. What we were talking about. This is last year. You know, you move to LA, and I'm sure a lot of comics listen to this. And I'm, I don't know if it happened to you, but comics like when you live out here and you're on the road, people are like, "What's LA like?" And you're like, "Man, it's fucking hard." You don't. You don't think yeah. you want to move to LA, but if you're a comic that lives like in the Midwest or something, you're like, "Well, yeah, it's hard for you, but I'm good," you know. And I think yeah. that's how I know that's how I felt. Like, "Oh yeah, it's hard," but then when I got Dude, out there. I was. I moved out here. I had uh, I got twenty five grand to move out here from uh, from the network that uh, like a, a relocation fee. Um, so I had all this fucking money. I was making. I was making. I'll tell you exactly how much I was making at the time because I thought it was a fucking dick load of money. I had a huge signing bonus or a huge development deal, and I was on a day and date show on the X show, and I was making five thousand dollars a week. And I was like, "Fucking that was a lot." I remember me and my buddy Eddie Fernandez sat in the car, and Eddie was like, "Eddie was like." Five, Eddie. I remember Eddie going, "You're doing 
uh, fucking 26 episodes, 26 weeks for your first order. And I remember we did the math and we were like, I'm fucking rich. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking amazing. But I'll tell you something. That didn't mean a fucking thing. You go no. into the clubs and you are not ready for it is fucking hard. It's very hard. You don't and get, you don't have any fucking friends. You don't get and any the friends, money. You, you, the friends you do make are fucked up. The first few friends you make, you're like, I need to get these people out of my life. I remember I hung out with one of my friends that I had known growing up, and I remember uh, we were. I was like, this is gonna be great. I moved out. I'm like, I'm in. I'm, I love this city. We go to his place. He lives on Melrose, and I never forget. He invites a friend over, and they start smoking crack. And I'm like, Holy oh, this shit. is not what I signed up. And, I, and they were like, do you want some? And part of me is like. Uh, I'm the party animal, but then the other party was like, "But I don't smoke crack." Yeah. So I did not. I remember feeling like I I got a contact buzz off of it because they were smoking in the same room I was in. Like, and I was I was just obsessive compulsive. And then the next morning, I walked literally right. It was they lived right off Mel- Melrose. I walked right out of there and down the street, and I ran into my ex girlfriend from high school. She lived on that street, and I was like, and I walked right into her place, and I was like, "Oh, I feel like I'm home." But yeah, this town fucking knocks your dick in the dirt. Yeah, so I'd I'd been here like a, a year, and I was like, I'm fucked. You know, I wasn't getting much road work. I'm obviously not making any money here. I didn't know what I was gonna do. It's like August 25th, August 26th. I literally have like 17 dollars in my account. That's it, and I'm yeah. fucked. And I'm gonna have to pay rent on the first, so I didn't know what to do. Well, one of the gamblers I used to work for, I I called him, and he was. I was trying to figure out who he was going to bet because he always bets futures for the year, you know, like this to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I came up with a plan, and I used to fuck this chick that ran the sports book at the Hard Rock. Yeah. So I said, who, you know, who are you looking to bet? I can get you better odds. And he was like, I'm looking to get the Patriots at three to one to win the AFC. I was like, I could probably get you better odds. He's like, if you get me four to one, I'll give you four hundred dollars. If you get me five to one, I'll give you five hundred dollars. I was like, cool. Let me call her and see. So I just call him back. I'm like, you got it. You know how much you want. He's like, uh, let me get $7,000. i am like, cool. I'll come to Vegas, pick up the money. It'll take me like a day. I'll bet it, and I'll give it back to you. So I drive out to Vegas. We fucking Photoshop a ticket, right? Make a fake ticket that says Patriots 5 to 1 for $7,000, right? Everything's cool. I'm going to give this guy the ticket. We're good. So then I get to Vegas, and I'm driving to meet him. I'm driving through Vegas. I'm supposed to meet him around 5. He calls me at like 2. He's like, yo. You think I could get two more thousand? You think I can get nine thousand on the Patriots? You know, the more I think about it, this is a great bet. I want it, and I'm in the car going, "Fuck, man, I can't pay seven thousand. Well, fuck it, I can't yeah. pay nine thousand. Fuck it, let's do it, right?" So I call my my roommate that photoshops him for me, and he he won't answer because he's a comic and he's flying back. So he finally calls me back in Houston. He's like, "What's the problem?" What are they? And he's like, "I need a new ticket." So he photoshops me a new ticket, makes it. I meet this dude in the parking lot. He gives me nine thousand, fucking cash. And then I say I'll bring the show, I'll bring the ticket to you tonight. Then I bring him the ticket, get five hundred. So I went from fucking seventeen dollars. Now I have ninety five hundred. You know, like I can yeah. survive in 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 L A. So now I'm rooting. So now I have now if the Patriots make the Super Bowl, I owe this guy fifty four thousand, right? <laughs> so I come back to L A. You know, and a few people know about it, but the story starts to kind of go viral. Everyone knows about it, but I don't really want everyone to know about it. You right. know, Patriots come out. They're one and two. I'm like, okay, I'm all right. Then Patriots start winning. Shit's oh, going on. Fuck. Then the Broncos start winning. Well, I'm a diehard Broncos fan. So I'm like, okay, the Broncos will take care of this for me. So by the end, now, now the story's like fucking everybody knows about it. Anytime I go out, it's, it's like the machine story, but yeah. not people are like, wait, you're that dude. I'm like, yeah, I'm that dude. And everyone's kind of joking about it. Well, then it comes down. So then I'm talking to the guy throughout the year and he's like, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to do it. I'm like, yeah, I think you're good. 
So then it comes down to the to the playoffs, and the Houston's choke. So now the Patriots have a bye, and the Broncos have a bye. And this dude tells me he goes, if the Patriots, uh, if it's the Patriots Broncos, I'll fly to Denver and watch the game. So in my head, I'm like, fuck it. If he flies to Denver to watch the game, I'll have my best friend Dupree break in his house because this dude lives in Vegas. My best friend lives in Vegas. Yeah. Break in the house, get the ticket back because if, if the Patriots lose, if the Patriots win, I'm breaking the house, get the ticket back, and fucking. Yeah. So we're clear sailing. Broncos choke that game to the Ravens. Now I have nothing. So now the whole world knows, and it's Patriots versus Ravens. Patriots at home, like 10-point favorites. So I'm like a 10-point underdog with my life on the line. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Fuck. Everyone in the world's calling me like, yo, where are you going to watch the game? I'm like, I'm out. So my buddy, it was his birthday. We went up to Big Bear, just like six of us. And uh, so the day comes. My grandpa's about to die. My grandpa's old at the time. And my grandpa, I get a call. I'm, I'm thinking any time my grandpa can die. I get a call at like noon from my mom like call me immediately and i'm like oh my god this is really gonna be the worst day of my life <laughs> call my call my mom back my grand my mom's like your grandpa just stumped walked out of the house we found him laying in the driveway you know he's okay he's in the hospital but we don't know what happened so i'm like okay whatever and uh so we're just waiting for that game and the whole time i'm singing you know that song that it's like swedish house mafia where they're like don't you worry don't you worry yeah. child yeah i was just singing that the whole day the ravens got a plan for it. i'm just trying to convince myself we're all right so we lock ourselves in the house we start drinking i'm like you know there's only six of us i'm getting a million texts everyone like you ready i'm like whatever so uh, mid first quarter i end up i just put my phone away you know I just like I can't take this. People just random numbers are like, hey man, I just want you to know I'm rooting for you. You don't know yeah, me. I'm yeah. sitting with Rory Scovel in San Francisco. You do, and just crazy shit, right? So they're down ten seven at halftime, and we're in a place like this, and I'm like, and everyone's just on pins and needles, and I, I stand up at, and it's halftime, and I'm like, just believe, guys, we still got a shot. Everything's okay. As I'm giving this like fucking Lombardi speech, the TV's behind me, and I see people looking at it, and I turn around, and it says, Tom Brady is 64-0 at home with a halftime lead. And I'm just like, shut the oh, fuck my up. God. So I go in this back room. I put my phone away. I'm like, I'm just going to put my phone away. I'm just going to sit down and ride it out. And thank God the Ravens fucking – Ravens came back, won the game, obviously. We go absolutely crazy, just fucking pouring beer, hugging, just crazy. I walk back to this back room, you know, and I'm just by myself, and I just break down. I just start bawling, and I pick up my phone, 325 text messages from fucking everyone. Everyone that ever knew anything about it, and I fucking – and I dodged a fucking – a bullet of – I would have owed $54,000. <laughs> Holy shit. So basically, you took the guy's bet. Yeah, I just you really booked the, it. You yeah, yeah. like, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'll take, I'll you're take good, it. You're good. And then you're I good. Fucking, you're good. And then he called me. So like a fucking idiot. Now I'm just hammered, right? So I leave a Facebook status just that I thought was vague that just said, hey, everybody that rolled with me, thank you so much. I had no idea. You know, just like uh, those on the inside I thought would get it. Yeah. So then on the bottoms, people are like, man, I was rooting for the Patriots so hard and all this shit. So then we drive back and then it's Tuesday morning. I get a call. I'm laying in bed. I get a call from the dude. I see it on my caller ID. I'm laying there. I'm like, oh, shit. And I go to delete it. I don't. I answer it, and it answers. I just hang it up. Yeah. So then he starts calling me throughout the day, you know, calling me, texting me. Call me back right now, or I'm going to fucking, I'll tell everyone what you did, you know, whatever. And I'm like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? So then at like 6 o'clock, I called him back, and he's like, yo, what's up? I'm like, nothing, man. What's up? He's like, I saw your Facebook status. What's that all about? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, this Facebook status. It looks like you were ruined for the Patriots. And I was like, you know what? To be honest with you, uh, 
I'm still a bookie. There's a ton of Boston guys out here. Like, I know you're going to give me a, a bonus if they won, but actually I won more money by having them lose. So no disrespect to you. I just got to root for my own money. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's like, all right. Well, just tell me this. Is that ticket real? Because part of me feels like that ticket's not real. It's like, no, nah, it's real. He goes, so if I drive to Sunset Station right now, they'll tell me it's real. I was like, yeah, go right down there. They'll tell you it's real. He's like, all right. That's all I wanted to know. Then he hung up. And he never, fucking lost. And I never, yeah, he can't do I mean, he lost. Yeah, what the fuck? I don't know what he's going to do. But, and God I think he probably damn. thought about it like, because I needed that. I don't know what, you know, like I said, I'm the luckiest fucking, I was at that crossroads like, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. I know everything's coming together, but you just run out of money. Even just making fee- I mean, I go on the road to try to just pay my rent here. People are like, what's LA like? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I go. I always, I always text, I always go, God, I'd love to live in LA. Like, this is so cool. Yeah, no shit. But I, never I'm, never, I'm never here. Like, I'm here for fucking two days, three days, and I'm shooting. <coughs> I'm shooting from eight in the morning till eight at night every day. And then I get on a plane, I go to uh, New Mexico. And, and I'll I, I tell you what, now one of the things that uh, Travel Channel's done for me is that, God damn, I fucking love traveling now. Like, I really love going to see new places. Well, but you I've hate seen, flying, though, still, I right? Hate, no, but I'm getting so much better with it. Like, I still drink, and I think I drink too much on planes personally i mean i don't i don't think anyone would ever stop me lately lately i've been really good uh, on flights but god damn man i've these this alaska and portland trip we took really redefined how beautiful this fucking country oh. is uh, portland is one of the most beautiful fucking places i've ever been in my life alaska i the joke <laughs> i made on stage in alaska because well, i did a show up there stan hope hooked me up with a show up there at chilkoot charlie's and uh, the joke I made was Alaska is like Colorado, but with a big dick. <laughs> That's perfect. Fucking, it really is. Um, wait, what was I going to say before that, though? Um, fuck. Yeah, I, I wish I lived here. I'm not. I'm not here. Yeah, much. I'm, I'm trying to. My buddy, out. my buddy just took off. Tom. If anyone is a diehard podcast fan, Tom is Lely's son. Lely wrote uh, the book. Um, uh, when Heaven and Earth Changed Places, Oliver Stone Option the Rights became the book Heaven and Earth that Tommy Lee Jones was in. She was on my podcast when my dad accidentally ate marijuana with Joey <laughs> Diaz. Uh, Easter Sunday. It was a big yeah. podcast. I, I look at my numbers. But uh, <laughs> so Tom, uh, we went over to his house. They bought it, just bought a dog. Tom's going to fucking England for a year. Really? Yeah. He's producing uh, Mission Impossible 5. So he's fucking gone to. But it's so funny because I feel like I'm never here, and I feel like I'm cheap short sh- shorting my kids. You know, like they like that they're they're like they never get to see their dad. And dude, every family in LA deals with it. Yeah, everyone yeah. in LA deals with it. There's so much of it of like just dads that have to travel for work. We're entertainers. My kids get it, and it's so funny because they look at it like they were talking to Tom's kids about it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, dads travel. That's what they do." It, it's cool. We'll yeah. all hang out. You know, you got a dog. Like, my kids are totally cool about it. And they were like, yeah, we, like, I got in the car and I said, just so you guys know, Tom's leaving for a year. And they were like, they're like, oh, yeah, we know. It's not a big deal, Dad. Dad's travel. And I was like, fuck. But yeah, yeah it's, uh. Well, if your kids ever complain, just tell them they could have my dad. It could always Jesus be worse. Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. It could always be worse. It could, it, it's, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I guess dads do go to prison too. Which yeah, he traveled like? for a little bit. Yeah, he traveled. He was in college. Yeah, he was. That's so funny. My mom told me that. What was? What's your mom like? She's cool. 
She yeah. just, I had a great stepdad. Uh, I, t- you know, it's funny is the only time my dad ever came through for me was I had a great stepdad and I was about to start junior high and my stepdad wanted to adopt us, which I think is a really cool honor and really cool that he wanted to do that. But his last name is Huffendick. So I would have started junior high as Brant Huffendick, which is the last thing I ever wanted. <laughs> I'm going to fucking cough myself in a coma. So my dad threw a fit, of course, about that. And I, I thank God at the time because oh. I didn't want to be Brant Huffendick. Later oh. in life when my dad stole my identity and Can fucked up my credit. you talk about that on stage at all? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, fuck that. I'm so trying to funny. tell you. know, I'm working on a one-man show because some of it's just so dark. I wish I had done that. I wish I'd yeah. done that. I wish I'd done a one-man show because I, f- I feel like um, I-, I like the trajectory I've taken, you know, but I think a one-man show would have been better for me in in the large scope of things. I think writing a book was so fucking difficult and it took so much out of me and I felt I dealt with so much stress that I didn't need to deal with that I'm glad, I'm so fucking proud I did it. That I wrote it myself. That I didn't have a ghostwriter. Yeah. I wrote it myself. But a one-man show would have been just so much more user-friendly for me. Just do well, that's like, what that's what I'm going through. Well, I'm doing the dictation thing that you talk about. Dragon dictate. So I've been as far as like a book. You can't drink when you do it. That's the only problem. It never yeah, worked for me because I always was drinking when I was like, oh, now I feel like writing. And I'd be drunk and it never understood me. I talked to Fitzsimmons about it on yeah, his podcast. Yeah, no, I listened to you talk about it. That's what made me get it. But So I'm trying to work on the book, but I think the one-man show is just – the way to I, because I pitched it the other day about a TV show and everyone's like I think it's a TV show because it has seasons. I mean, I could tell you stories for days about my life, especially with my dad and everything. And yeah. plus, it just we can end it however we want. A funny story is one time I told my little sister I was like, and she has a different dad, but I was, and I think it creeped her out. I was like, if my dad really loved me, he would just get killed randomly in like a phone booth. Where there's like some reasonable doubt that maybe I did it because it would be the perfect ending to my story. Yeah, <laughs> for all the non-child support or anything, if he if he could do anything was just have this kind of obscure death that I could maybe take credit for. But yeah, but I don't. I think the one man show. I've been just writing it and working on it, but I can get away with a lot more because everyone's like, you should tell these stories on stage. It's but hard, when man. I started talking about trying to kill my dad or some of this shit, they're like, because I have another crazy story about when I was a kid and my dad. So my dad is just such a fucking liar, and he would promise me all this crazy shit that he would like, you know, he would. Uh, if I said I wanted some baseball cards, he would be like, "I'll send you two bo- two cases of baseball cards. Have Cal Ripken deliver them." Just fucking shit. Yeah. My mom would cover them as much as she could, but then she eventually, you know, my dad would just promise so much shit. So I'm like 12 years old. My brother's like 10. We'd come home every day and like sit in our front yard and steps, waiting for this UPS man to bring the shit. That my dad promised us. And then, yeah. of course, the UPS man would never bring us anything. So, like a kid that just believes in their dad, I got it in my mind that the fucking UPS man was taking our shit home to his kids and not giving oh. what my dad promised me. So, me and my brother and two other neighborhood kids, I convinced them that the UPS man fucking is stealing our shit and we stole these steak knives from this restaurant and we were going to fucking follow the UPS man to his house. And then if we saw him and his kids like playing with our shit, we were going to fuck him. I mean, I was like a 12-year-old. Yeah. Such a dumb plan at the time. So we did all that. We stole these steak knives. So we're riding around on our bikes with steak knives, which was probably one of the dumbest things ever. Oh, following, just danger-wise. Yeah, yeah. Following the UPS man, which was easy because he'd stop like every two blocks, you know. And then eventually yeah. we followed him right downtown. He went, parked his UPS truck 
caught in a green truck and drove off lost after a block but yeah. we had this fucking but so then i think it's funny you know and i say i was like the boy that cried cal ripkin because i would tell all the kids in my class like cal ripkin's coming and i tell these oh, stories yeah. which i think are funny and then people are like you know i got robbed at shotgun one time guy came right in my house robbed me a shotgun kidnapped me put me in this back room and said if you move or call the police if you sit here for 10 minutes if you move or call the police i'll come back and kill you and I'm like, hey, man, and, you know, on stage, I'm like, hey, you can, like, rob me, but you can't put me in timeout. That's like, fucking, come yeah. on, man, pick yeah. one or the other. So I, and, and I tell him more, like, stage, but sometimes, sometimes I get laughs, and sometimes I can see, one time well, a lady was just like, oh, my God, I feel bad for this guy. I could hear hard, her say that. It's hard because there's no reference point for them. So, like, a dude before you is talking about, like, jerking off in a mayonnaise jar. Yeah. And then you go and you get serious. Like, I know that I've, I've, I've had that hiccup with, with my stories is that I start telling a story and it's almost like they're out of left field. They're like, whoa, what the fuck are you doing now? Like, Well, I think they're worried about – like, I'm fine with it. I want you to laugh. I'm, oh, I, when they yeah. start feeling bad for me, I'm like, no, I'm f- trust me, I'm fine with this. I want you to just hear an experience and, and this is how I think it's funny at the end. But yeah. They're just like, eh, go back to dick jokes. Yeah. I, well, I think, you know, I mean, especially like, I think you just got to, it's, could be, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I was thinking last night on stage is really kind of a surreal thought to have, but I told, I told, I tell the machine story every time, every night on stage. And last night I told it and I thought. You know, I wonder if it would have been smarter for me to not tell this story for another three more years so I could get famous and then tell it then. But I was like, you know, maybe it's the story that is the – it is the – It's the story that's making you famous. It, it, you it, it is a tad bit, yeah. It's like, you know – and and I, I got to be honest with you. It, it is only because people yell it out at my shows and yeah. I want it and I want them to and I want to tell it and I want it I, I, it's it's a fun story to tell I like it and I got to attribute a lot of that to Rogan because I would have never told that you know a lot of the stories I tell other comics they'd be yeah. like I'd be like that's a great they'd be like that's a great story you got to tell it on stage and I'd always be like oh that's not a stage story I can't tell it on stage I I like a lot of the things like like especially the Tracy Morgan story I just thought I just thought that didn't belong on stage. I, I, for one, the reason I never told the Tracy Morgan story on stage, honestly, I'm sure I told you this before, was that I didn't think he'd remember it. And if yeah. he did remember it, I didn't think he'd admit it. And if he did say it was a lie, then I would look like a liar you're, you're for the rest screwed. of my fucking yeah. life. And I was like, and I got bigger stories than that. I was like, in my head, I was like, I haven't even told you about when I robbed the fucking train. So like, so like, I felt the same thing with the machine story. I was like, ah, it's not a stage story. I just had written off all these stories to not going on stage. And Rogan's like, no, fuck you. It's a, it's a stage story. You tell it. And he was like, everyone yell it out until he tells it. And God bless him for doing that because it's changed well, my career. I think it's like, I'm thinking it's, it, well, I don't know why I didn't assume this in the beginning. I think it's like jokes. I got to just keep telling them and working them. The more I tell these, yeah. it's like, it's dumb. The fact that I, and I, I'm probably not doing it enough, like, the first time I tell a story, maybe it doesn't go that good. Then I've scrapped it. But if I start telling a joke, it doesn't go that good. I work on it, it's, and then it's the exact same thing. And you know what happened to me is I got so confident telling jokes and got so good at writing bits that I could go and take a joke that was brand new and get it up on stage, and it would just start working. And I hadn't worked for anything in a while. Yeah. And then that machine story is the first thing I think I've worked for in a long but time. But you, you'd prefer to tell the stories, right? Oh yeah, yeah. See, I yeah. love telling the stories, especially when they work. Like when I tell that roulette story and it works, it's like, oh, this is so. Yeah, 
it's so much better than the fucking. I mean, I like the jokes I wrote, but they're just jokes that that's yeah, stories. It's like, like, it's like people can take your. Well, I guess people can take your stories as well, but like people can take your jokes. I, you write a joke, and then all of a sudden, someone just uses it. Well, yeah, and, that, then, and that you're like, too. and you're like, well, oh. and, and then you, they're like, I thought of the same thing. Well, you never have to worry about being called hacky. You never have to worry about people stealing. I mean, yeah. I guess people still steal them, but we people had to happen steal. with this fucking dude stole Jay Larson's story that he told on Conan in, in Vegas. What? Stole it word for word. Didn't even change the name. It was like a big deal. Uh, my buddy Matt Markman fucking, he calls me. I blasted this dude on Facebook anyway. This dude was in the Las Vegas forum, and he's just like, he, no one's ever really seen him. And he was just like, hey, think about getting a manager and agent tomorrow. Any recommendations? And we're just like... And I hit him. I was like, you should probably get Seinfeld, you know. So I didn't like this dude anyway. So then I'm like, are you even a comic? And he puts up this bit. And I didn't even bother watching it. And then my buddy Markman's like, yo, he's doing Jay Larson's bit. And then he hit up Jay. And he was doing Jay Larson's famous, like, Conan bit. that He has yeah. it on the Chive and on Conan, I think, with over a million hits on that that video. He's doing it. Doesn't even change the names. Like, he says Jay in it. Doesn't even – and does it word for word and then has the balls to post it online. And then all hell broke loose, and it was like, if you see this guy, then the Las Vegas comedy scene took over. Like, if you see this guy at a fucking show, if he tells that story, walk up, punch him right on stage, just end it. Holy shit. And then everyone, and then people, like, took it down, but that's the thing. You have to call people out like that with fucking- I have a hard time calling people out. But you have to, because there's no other way to police it. Yeah, but- uh, On the I'll tell you, I'll tell you personally, I'll tell you personally, from being a part- of something that 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 is similar to what we're talking about right now, it is so much more of a headache. And I and and I know that well, like anyone else would say, uh, do do the right thing. But it's so much of a fucking headache. I've had someone. I had someone. Um, I had someone recently liberate some of my material, and very recently. And I I talked to Segura about it, and I was like, "What do I do?" And Ian Bag called me and was like, "Fucking <laughs> first thing," he was like. I mean, I, I've had it happen. I, I've actually happened, happened, have it had had it happen a bunch of times recently, and um, I remember Ian tweeted me. So what's the deal? Do we just go through your material and take what we want? And I, but it's like the second I don't want to. It's such a fucking headache, even to just it, people pick sides and they go, "What comic do I like better?" That's the one I'll side with on this one, and it just is yeah. a fucking nightmare. So I just said to myself. Um, uh, you know what? I'll fucking keep moving forward. Never look behind me. Look forward. I know who my friends are. I know what I want to do. I know what my material is. I don't touch anyone's material. I don't fucking do anyone. I do my material. I write my material. I don't even have other people write material for me because I'm a fucking comic and that's the way we work. But yeah, it's such a pain in the ass. Well, I mean, I, I, but well, the thing that I have a problem with is that we, so then the internet kind of took over and just blasted this dude. And then one guy felt bad for him, and then and then deleted it, which I which I had a huge problem with. Like you can't, okay, this guy is taking some shit, but he deserved this shit, and yeah. you have to leave this up to discourage people in the future. You know what I mean? I see what you, you're at a different, like you you don't need just to deal I just with don't, drama. I don't deal with but I think the internet, like these death squad guys, when they do it, I think it's good. Someone has to. Oh, I, I, let me tell you something. I, I, look, in my heart, I don't want I don't want anyone using anyone's material. It's just in not my heart. Fair. It's, it's not just... fair. I don't think it's fair, and I don't think uh, there's a lot of things I could say about that that are all suspect because it's you know it's like I'm fucking I've, I don't I don't really, yeah, like, yeah. me jumping into that subject is so fucking explosive and I can't, I'll tell I'll tell you off air what is going on also that you'll go shut the fuck up yeah. but 
Um, I, yeah, that I do like the internet policing people. I do like people uh, fucking saying, you know, you, I don't like people taking material. I don't like comics getting writers. I don't like comics. I like comics. Someone said the other day that's like taking steroids. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Do the fucking material. Be the great comic. Don't well, fucking have dudes write I'll tell your you the, shit. The one thing, and I, I, I see you don't want drama, but the one thing that, and uh, a, you know Peter Berman? Or other comics said to me, and a couple of comics have said it, like, when you, I get in these internet fights sometimes about comedy, but I'm, because I love it and I'm passionate about it, yeah. and you should get, like, that thing that Kyle Cease did, it's just, fu- I mean, and that's. What was that? When he ran that scam fucking, oh, yeah. but he was charging people $5,000. Now I meet comics on the road that paid that. Yeah. Anyone that takes advantage of a young comic, I fucking, I hate it. Because we're all supposed to, in some weird it's, way. It's unfair because young comics are just like any sucker you'd see in 1950 on a, on a used car lot. Like they just want success. They want acceptance. They want approval. They want to get to the next level. They want to be included and and they want to be a part of the the team and to take advantage of a young comic is is uh, you're a bad person it's the worst and i and i will fight it and i don't and i'm not i'm not making a statement on Kyle cuz i love Kyle i know Kyle i've known him for a long time i don't know any i've never really talked to him about any of that stuff that he did like i i've never talked to him about any of it but i I'll be very candid and I'd say this to Kyle. When I saw it, I was suspect. Yeah, well, I was if you like, like what him, the fuck? If you like him, you'd never want to hear these stories because the stories, I mean, I don't, no, even, I don't, we don't even want them. to talk about them. It's just a fucking, I just think it's a shitty thing to do. And I, that's why I have no, I mean, LA is very, everyone's just wonderful, which I get, but on some of this shit, when it comes to comedy, I think you we have to police it ourselves and everyone has to fucking, yeah. when someone's doing something shitty, no matter who it is, Someone has to say, "Hey, man, you can't be doing that shit." It, there's a there is a comic karma that happens, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I I think you you start weeding out the bad people, and then you start hanging out with the good people, and then all of a sudden you're around you're surrounded by the yeah. right people and people that care about you and care about what you do. And I think that's I think comedy ends up yeah that, no, right it, that boat writes itself that 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 uh, boil ends up uh, ends up popping. I think. No, I agree. It, it'll always. I mean, eventually, you can't only do so many tricks. Eventually, you're just not fucking funny, dude. That and everyone is it. knows it. And you disappear. Yeah. And you fucking disappear. If you are, and, I'll, uh, and this is the only thing I'll say about me, if you are someone who is inspired to write and perform their own original material, I think I will keep working because of it. And there are people that just don't don't know how to write, only know how to kill, only know that that is what they need. They're just going to well, disappear. It's what we talked about that night at the improv. Just and you talked about it a little, I'm sure already, about guys that aren't comics just coming in being comics, and it's just a blatant disrespect for a craft. <laughs> this is our craft, and it's a hobby to you. No one would ever do it. No one would ever do it on the flip side. Like it would never happen. No. Like it would never. It would never reverse itself. Where you're like, uh, like a, like a, I don't know. I can't even do an analogy, but. You're right. It is the disrespect that you, you get as a comic. If you went and sang at an open mic, you would never change your Facebook status to like singer. You would still say, I work at Best Buy. Yeah. But if you do one open mic for some reason, you, I <coughs> mean, I don't, it's, just, it's funny. And I, I'm, I'm sure I probably. I was talking I, to Stroop about it. Stroop was saying that he was like, you know, I have these people come in that are not necessarily comedians, but they're on my stage in my clubs, a comedy club. He goes, I really want to call it something else. Call it like an evening with, yeah. as opposed to stand up comedy, because he goes, it's disrespecting what you do. 
He's like, you're a comic. My like anyone that comes in on that stage is a comic, but you do have famous people that that are, you know, are famous for other reasons. <laughs> and there are people that I respect that are that are are trying to figure out the craft, and I respect that. But but don't look. Look, we got face tattoos. We're fucking comics. Like, we will always be comics. We can always sit at a fucking airport bar and bullshit about comedy. Me, you, Orny Adams, even Kyle Cease, we're yeah. all fucking comics. I, I, I'm sorry, Orny. I only use Orny because I ran into him at DFW the other day. But, like, we're all comics. Yeah. So, like, I didn't want Orny to think I was shitting on him. But, so that is the one thing that you'll always have is that fucking badge of honor. So I told Leanne. I told Leanne we're driving... And, and we were talking about uh, like what's going on with my career, and and I finished the book. And are you proud? And I said, you know, the thing I'm the most proud of out of anything is the fact that I'm a stand-up comedian, and that I've earned it, and that I've, and that for the rest of my life, I will, I will always be known as a comedian. It's That's awesome. I I go through it every day, not every day, but whenever, whenever I have a bad day. I mean, I live right in the fucking middle of Hollywood. I'm a kid from Wyoming. That I'm a stand-up comedian that lives in Hollywood, California. Like I'm, you're one of my favorite comics. I'm sitting here drinking, doing a podcast with you. I wake up tomorrow. I go to Cabo for a week of comedy in yeah. Cabo. Like, Wait, who are you working with down there? It's a comedy Cabo uh, Cabo Comedy Festival. Steve Grove booking it? No, uh, some other dude. It? But everyone, I mean, Ari. There's a ton of. There's like oh, eighty. It's shut a up! Huge... I fucking know exactly what this is. Oh my god, I was gonna do that. Yeah, so I fly out tomorrow. And oh I, shit! I have one... That guy hit me up. He's great. That's a fucking. That's gonna be fun as yeah, fuck. It's gonna be Who's awesome, down there? man. There's a uh, Ari Ben Glebe, Nikki Glazer. There's a bunch of like old Dude, school, but then there's like so legendary much, comics. Uh, Ahmed so Ahmed. I'm trying to think who else fun. is on it. Yeah, and I only have one show. I have a show. I think Thursday, but they're like you can fly in on Tuesday, and you can stay the whole time. Room, board, food, everything's free. We just, you know, they they're treating comics like. So like today, I was just as I was walking up Runyon, I'm like, this shit is fucking crazy. Dude, that is going to be so much fucking fun. Nikki, I love Nikki Glazer. Yeah, she's fucking. I love Nikki Ari Ahmed. Dude, I there's am a, so and there's a bunch more. Jealous. I'm not even. I mean, it's a list. It's like I want to say like he offered comments. me to go down there, and I and I was like, I can't. I'm working. I'm doing trip flip. Uh, and he was like, but I, I it was like uh, it was like a back and forth. But none of my agents replied, so only I replied. And I was like, so when you tell him, tell him that yeah, I regret not being there. Yeah. Distinctly, I couldn't do it still, but I God, think it'll be, be cool. fucking fun. But yeah, just shit you like do, that. Everyone's got podcasts down there. Yeah, you doing Ari's? I'm doing Ari's. Ari's doing mine. Uh, I'm, we're doing that. That's what I'm looking forward to. We'll probably do back and forth. And oh, I'm trying to get fun. Kevin Pollock. He's there. Really? There's a bunch of uh, Kevin Pollock was one of the nice guys. I worked with him in Tampa, and he was like a regular guy. And he told me he was like he's like you curse a lot. You don't need to. I think you're funny. I'm not saying don't curse on my shows. I'm just telling you, in the future, you don't need to curse as much. And I was like. That was really fucking cool that he didn't like. He wasn't telling me like, "Hey, clean it up, asshole." He because he he in, in essence he did tell me that because yeah. I never fucking curse on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the rest of the shows. I was like, spick and span like. But uh, he was a cool yeah. fucking dude. You know, it's so funny. Me and my roommate had that talk today when we were walking home. A comics, if you tell them not to do something, it's the first thing they're gonna do. Yeah. And if but the way he handled it, he told you as essence. Or he told you yeah. essentially without saying it. He was like, "Listen, man." Like I'll give you, I'll give you notes, 
and and I was like, I was in my head, I was like, oh, I, I get notes, and he was like, oh yeah, of course, we're comics. He, and he was like, yeah, he broke me down, and I was like, oh, he's right, and I didn't curse the rest of the week. That was the same week I decided to uh, ask my wife to marry me. That's awesome. I was in the I was at the fucking beach in Clearwater in chest high water with my dad, and I was like, I think I'm gonna marry this chick. And then I I bought the ring, flew home, ring got delivered. The day it got delivered, I found out she was pregnant, and I was like, oh, I'm fucked. How do I know I want to be with her forever? <laughs> were you nervous? Oh, dude. You know the thing I always, and I always like to ask people, were, when you had to ask her dad, was that nerve-wracking? Uh, or? No, I, I actually told her dad she was pregnant first. And then? Yeah, because we found out she was pregnant, and, and we were like, what do we do? And we're like, well, you know. And I hadn't asked her to marry me yet. I had the ring. Uh, I had bought the ring, and, uh, and it was delivered to L.A., and I hit it. I hit it in her boot. I don't know why. I hit why it. would you? Because <laughs> I was going on the road for like twelve days, and I hid it in her boot. I didn't tell anyone I was going to ask her to marry me. Like I went on the road, and then, and then they delivered these two beer koozies that said Heyman's Jewelers on it, and I kept the beer koozies out. I was like, "Ooh, keep these." So I left, and my wife came home, and I was I was in New York. She goes, "What's Heyman's Jewelers?" And I was like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> I was like, "Those nothing. Don't look in your boots." She was like, "What?" And so then. But we already knew she was pregnant, and so I came home. And then I, I think I, I want to say I called her dad. I must have called her dad on the phone. Maybe I did. I don't know. He's in. The, he's. Did you see him when you came uh, in? He's here. When did you know? Like, what's the day like when you decided? Uh, she dumped me. Uh, we dated for like four months, and then she dumped me. And then when she dumped me, I'll never forget. I can tell you because I was running on outpost. Back to my apartment, back to my house. I had a house over uh, by Hollywood Island, up in the hills, and I was running on outpost. And I was, I said, I'm gonna, I want her back, and I did everything I could to get her back. I made her like a mixtape. I was a fucking idiot, <laughs> and I was jogging on outpost. And I remember saying, I, I have a special relationship with the Lord, whoever it is that runs the show up yeah. there. I definitely talk to him. I call him God, and I remember saying, God. This is it. This is the one. If you give me her back, I will definitely marry her. And uh, I ran back. I took a shower, and she showed up at my house. And I was like, fucking, I'm in. And so we decided. But wait, to she broke up with you, but then still showed up at your she house? She showed up at my house because I I'd, I'd like made her a mixtape, and I had like fucking tried to call her. And she had taken like four days. She wouldn't speak to me. And then she showed up at my house that day. And I remember when she showed up, I was like, holy shit, I think he's listening. And then, uh, and then. And then we went on a couple dates, like after that, to try to like get back into mm-hmm. together, and uh, and we were on the beach in Malibu one night, just sitting on the beach, and I was like, I remember it was like that on the fence, like, fuck, this is it. If this yeah. is it, this is it. And I was like, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. And I was like, done. And uh, and I distinctly, but then you know then. And then we moved in together, and I knew I was going to ask her to marry me, and I got the ring. But then when I found she was pregnant, I still had doubt. I was like, fuck, there's a lot of things happening really quick. Like, just like any fucking meathead would think. And, uh, but yeah, I'm fucking, I'll, I've never, I've never cheated on her. That is the yeah, biggest yeah. statement. Ten years. That's awesome. Never Especially cheated on in her. in this business. And not that I'd be on this podcast like, no, I cheated yeah. on her all the time. But I'll tell you off air. Yeah, <laughs> never cheated on her. Never, uh, never really wavered. She's a really cool fucking chick. Oh, she's. It's. I think it's. I listen to the podcast all the time. I think it's cool how you talk about. She's it. a fucking great chick, and she's the reason I am. And I'm not anywhere, but the reason I am where I am, and I'm not anywhere. But I would be even worse if I hadn't had her. She just is like super takes care of me. Like yeah, like fucking just an awesome fucking girl. 
I said well, that- girl. That's an insult. I'm sure <laughs> some fucking feminist. I called someone honey the other day, and she got fucking pissed off. And I went, I don't know your name. What am I supposed to call you? Like, so she but, got pit. Where were you? It's a fucking long story. Oh, <laughs> long story. I'll tell you all about it off air. She got Jeez. really pissed. I'll tell you all about it because it'll be really interesting when you do see it. All right, we should probably wrap yeah, this yeah. up. We're at two. Two hours and change. Oh yeah, two hours and five minutes. Um, you have anything to plug? Yeah, my podcast. What's your podcast? Uh, the Thirty One. Who do you do it with? Me. Just you? Yeah. Well, I was gonna. Well, I want to have you, but it's uh, each week. It's different. I do twenty five of the same questions. So, like, if you're my guest, there's twenty five questions. I do the same each week, and then five for you, and then one internet question. Really? And they're great. Holy shit! I gotta do your podcast. Yeah, I would love to. I brought all my stuff, but I, I figured you, we'd, we wouldn't have time. But it's uh, it's cool. Because I've spent like two months really working on the questions, so I think the questions are really unique. And uh, I've got five episodes, and I'm, I'm honestly really proud of them because I think they're different. Who have you had on? Uh, Sickler, Larson, Jeff Dye, Andrew Slater, Jeff Keith. But I have Jeff <laughs> Keith coming up. I have Ari uh, Segura, Brian Regan. Uh, hopefully, Brandon Flowers, lead singer of The Killers, is my buddy in Vegas. Yeah, uh, I think Brad Brad Garrett's going to do it. So, I, as I just have to, uh, the funny thing is, I'm, I'm I, when I approach people, I say I do an interview show because fucking when you say podcast to people now, they're like, oh, another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, everyone loves it. I mean, if you like podcasts, it's it's very. I, I think it's very. It's very unique. Well, I wish I'd done that. I would have cut this podcast yeah. short well, by an hour do and done yours. Right now I'm drunk. We'll do it another time, but yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I think you'll like it because it's, you know, it's hard to do these. So the questions kind of just lead, you know, like a question to be, who do you owe an apology to? Uh, what's the weirdest thing your uncle's ever done? Have you ever been arrested? What, sh- what, uh, what you do on your twenty first birthday? So it's it's all those are those are fucking great questions. I spent I spent months just practicing on people and weeding out what's good. You know, there's a lot I think that you'll have some interesting answers for. Oh, I got to do it. What, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I'm around all week if you want to try I'm, to do I gotta it. I got to go to Cabo tomorrow, but oh, anytime you can, we'll. Uh, uh, but like I'm I said, back. I'm back in two weeks, and I think I'm home for like a week. Yeah, I'll call so you. Let's, let's I'll do be it. Right I'd over. love to yeah, do your podcast. I think you, I think you'll. It's fun. So and like I said, I got now. I got to listen to your podcast. Yeah, you already like got those posts. Well, yeah, and Sickler tells, uh, and he puts a disclaimer. He goes, he tells an amazing Tracy Morgan story. Really? He goes, it's not as good as holy shit. What's his Tracy Morgan story? Oh, it's crazy. I'll let you listen to I'll it. Let me tease it. it. Let me t- yeah, tell yeah, your yeah. listeners go. It's called uh, it's at thirty one podcast on Twitter or follow me at Brant Tobler and. Uh, the podcast is called The 31, and it's on the 31. iTunes. 31. I'm yeah. going to listen to Ryan Sickler's Tracy Morgan You'll story. love it. It's fucking... Holy it's, shit. It's, it's, and he, like I said, he says, it's not as good as Burt's, but it's a close second. Fuck, I love And Sickler. Steve Simone has a close third one, but I haven't had him on yet. I don't really? know if you know that one. No. My, I'm, uh, ever since you told me that story, I've been fascinated. Anytime I meet a comic from New York, I'm like, hey, come on, you got a Tracy Morgan story? There's always... Uh, I've, I've heard some good ones. I've heard some good ones. Oh, Butch Bradley has a great one, too. Really? Yeah. No one could beat yours, but they're all. He's he never disappoints. He's Tony crazy. Woods. Tony Woods was uh, was with me that night that that happened, and he texted me and he's like, "Hey, like uh, he's in Australia. He's like some motherfucker in Australia is telling our Tracy Morgan story. <sighs> some dude fucking just on stage. I just sure heard it. And was like, fuck it. What are the odds those guys are here and just told it? And Tony Woods fucking put him on blast. Was like, fuck you, man. That's so, crazy. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, so, hey, so find it. The thirty one. The thirty one on iTunes. Go find it. Any dates coming up? Uh yeah, I'm Cabo. I'm this posting week. this next week. Okay, uh, I'm in I'm in the comedy festival and Big Sky Comedy Festival in Billings and then I'm in Phoenix 
and then I'm in Vegas. It's all on my website, BrantTober.com. Okay. And uh, the only thing I have to plug everyone, DC in October. I don't know the exact dates, but it's like the third week in October, I think. Uh, Washington, D.C., and I'm shooting trip flips, so I'm looking for travelers. So if you see me with the film crew, just say yes. Hey, Brent, thank you for doing this. <laughs> yeah, man. thanks. I appreciate My pleasure, it. man. It's good, it's good hanging out again. I yeah, feel like I we haven't fucking you're hung You're out. very busy. So. I know. I w- wish we could work together again. One of these times. But apparently, I don't know if you're on MTV. So. No, any time. I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.